0: Welcome to episode 521 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, February 8th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by our new co-host, Justin Mason. Welcome. It's
1: it's How's nice going? to be here. It, you know, we finally got rid of Eno. Wow.
0: It took a while, though. We had to set him up, and there was mm-hmm. a pretty good setup that we did. Appleman believed it all the way, because mm-hmm. you could picture Eno doing that. We're not going to say what we set him up with, but we got him pretty good, and now he's out of here. Finally, the shackles are off, and maybe we can take this podcast to the next level.
1: Well, he'll be fine over at Sandwich Graphs.
0: He, he's going to dominate Sandwich Graphs, and he's editor in chief, which is what he wanted. And uh, you know, it's gonna it's gonna go well uh, once they get rolled out over there. Uh, we're obviously going to miss you know he's great, <laughs> but I'm happy to have you. I'm very excited. Uh, you, you come you come from producer to co-host and still producer, so you're you're pulling double duty, and I and I greatly appreciate it because uh, editing the pod is a pain in the butt for whatever reason. Whenever Jason and I record, it's still always gets off kilter, and it literally takes 60 to 90 minutes to edit those. I have to, like, every time it switches from me talking to him, it's off. It's completely off, and I don't understand why that happens.
1: Yeah, it's a, it, it's a skill that I've honed over time. I mean, I've done, got like, 300 or four or 500 episodes over Friends of Fantasy Benefits, and uh, it's something that I've gotten used to. This is my fifth podcast I've been on this week. So you
0: you'd think I'd have more experience except it never really happened until starting last year. I had the most like seamless, maybe I just had the best luck for the most part everything worked really well. There weren't issues. Honestly, this all really started to happen once uh, Skype stopped supporting call graphs, which mm-hmm. was very simple product, uh, but it worked really well and and I really enjoyed it. But you know what, you kill it, and I, I greatly appreciate that, I'm very excited to talk. For those that don't know, you and I have like, um, you know, we don't always see eye to eye on things, mm-hmm. so, you know, I know a lot of people say that Jason and I agree too much, and maybe we we do, I mean, we, we Jason really got me into statistics back in 2002 and really started thinking, so it's not that surprising that we see things a lot of the same way, and you um, know, and I have a lot of same thoughts on pitchers. And you and I will agree plenty, but I, I think there will be some sharp disagreements, which we've had uh, when when discussing on your pod back in the day. Um, you know, Bryce Harper is a point of contention. Maybe we'll get into him because we are going to talk some outfielders JD today.
1: Martinez was a point of
0: contention. Hey, <laughs> The greatest player ever. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so we'll we'll, we'll have to uh, we'll have to dive in and, and find out where our disagreements are. We're never going to manufacture disagreement, though. Just never going to be what I'm about on any podcast. If I agree with somebody down the line on a list of topics, then so be it. But uh, I'm sure we'll find some disagreements. We're going to use the NFBC average draft position, kind of dive in on outfielders and, as they are tiered up a little bit so it'll be loose tiers here we will just kind of looking at the picks and analyzing a handful of them at a time and, and and go up to about outfielder 75 or so but first we do have a few moves uh it is still the slowest offseason ever i guess staying still doesn't make any sense because it never won't be it, it even if all the guys signed next week it would still be the slowest offseason ever um and even the moves we got are not you know, earth-shattering, but they are impactful. And we'll start with Todd Frazier out to the Mets, uh, two-year, seventeen million dollar deal. You know, the Mets get crapped on a lot, and it's it's always um, deserved in terms of the, the the hate that they get for various things, whether it is their their frugal ways or the uh, the, the training staff that they have. But I think they're having a pretty decent off season. When you, especially when you consider the fact that they're just not going to spend at a level commensurate with a New York team, so the fact that they, you know, kind of have tight purse strings, I think getting Todd Frazier at two seventeen is a really nice deal. It can't really hurt them. Um, it's a solid move for him, and and I like Frazier to the Mets. What do you think?
1: I mean, I think it's a fine move for an organizational standpoint. I, I don't understand why they continue to try to block Wilmer Flores. Like I mean, how much different would he be at third base for the Mets than
0: I think Todd it would be? Frazier. Defense would be the only difference, right? Because mm-hmm. Frazier is is a underrated defensive player. I don't think it's understood how sharp of a defensive player he is. And I think that's part of the biggest thing that we're going to see from that team this year is that their defense is going to be improved with Frazier and and Rosario on the left side. Uh, Adrian Gonzalez has Jumbo Cabrera, not great on on the right side, but they, they shouldn't. Gonzalez is actually a pretty decent defender in his day. I don't really know what we're going to expect. I have low expectations for him, and that could be Flores' way into more playing time. He did improve against righties last year. I get your general point, though, because uh, he's a 26-year-old Flores is. Feels like he's 32 because he's been around forever, literally since he was 16. We've been hearing about Wilmer Flores. So the fact that he's only 26 usually jars some people if they they don't follow him intimately. And I think we still could see another level from him. So Frazier... Joining Definitely cuts him off a little bit But I do still think there's an opportunity um, For Flores If he can beat out Adrian Gonzalez Because they have no investment in him Atlanta's paying Gonzalez So um, he's a league minimum for the Mets And if it doesn't work and he, and he is just too injured To really do anything They cut bait with him right away And you put Flores in it first So I think for that angle it does immediately hurt him But it lowers the draft stock And I mm-hmm. think makes Fraser, or, uh, Flores a little bit easier To buy in on
1: yeah, and I agree there cuz I don't I don't trust back issues, uh, especially. I don't either. So I mean, you know, and I, I it's hard because I want to buy in on Mickey getting back with the, uh, from the back issue, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard for me to do that. But Adrian Gonzalez is a guy that, you know, just com- has completely fallen apart physically, coming going to be 36 this year. I just I I could see Flores breaking his way into the lineup there. Uh Fraser, from a fantasy standpoint uh is interesting because I think as long as he's healthy, he's going to play a full slate, You know, get back mm-hmm. to being that 150-plus game guy, 600-plate appearance guy, uh, could hit 30-plus home runs. I worry the steals aren't going to come back, which limits a little bit of his upside. Only stole four bases last year. I think the Mets were 27th in stolen bases uh,
0: yeah they're kind of like the uh, National League Orioles they just don't really steal and that was always a nice piece to Frazier's game that kind of offsets the batting average deficiency which we've seen down at 213 last year 225 the year before and and while the BABIPs are very low you have to consider the fact that a home runs are not included and that's a big chunk of his his total hits and the fact that he pops up a lot Uh, in fact quite way way too much Uh, I don't know if it's league leading but it's certainly in contention for the league lead and that's just going to eat your Babbitt alive because there's no chance of those becoming hits because even if they fall it's an error you know there's very rarely do you get a pop-up that ends up being a a, a base a true base hit unless it lands in that Bermuda triangle just outside the infield um, and and right in front of the outfielders so I think that eats into it you can't just look at the 236 and 226 babbitts that Frazier's had the last two years to say well that has to regress to 271 I don't think it has to unless he kind of gets back to uh, uh, curbing some of those infield flies, which we saw back in the 2013 to 2015 range. But the last two years, his infield fly ball rate's been 19%. So that is a deficiency for Frazier. In OBP leagues, he does get a boost, though, 10% and 14% walk rates the last two years. You definitely want to check him out there. And if they did allow him to steal and at least get back up to, say, the 9 to 12 range, that'd be a nice boost for him because if you get 30-plus homers, 9 to 12 steals— you can eat a, a 230 average. The 213 is difficult, though, if he doesn't reach 30 homers again. So is an interesting guy. I will say the market is definitely uh, building in all his deficiencies into the price. He's going at ADP 287 over the last uh, three, four weeks at, at FBC. And at that point, it basically can't hurt you. It's the same as this deal that the Mets signed, that uh, it's such a great price that he can't really hurt you. Interesting thing, by the way, at third base, the Mets have four guys in a row on ADP. Todd Frazier, Azdrubal Cabrera, Jose Ramirez, and Wilmer Flores are all the uh, the, the 26th through 29th third basemen in uh, a- average draft position. So it, it, it's kind of a cluster there. They have a lot of guys who will emerge. I think Frazier gets the guaranteed playing time, and then those other three guys are kind of fighting to see who can maybe get a, uh, a 140 games.
1: They'll be injured enough, though. That they'll all get uh that's good chunks. So. Because they're
0: old. Yeah. That's the thing, too. You know, they're, they're old, and we already talked about Gonzalez. So, you know, solid move. Uh, he's cheap. If you're interested in it and you're looking for some solid punch at your corner later, uh, I definitely think Frazier's worth investing in. Let's talk about Sengwano going out to Texas. Um, on a, I believe a one-year deal should be penciled in as the closer or at least have a really good shot to close. Remember last year, everyone was pretty hyped on on o. Uh, I want to say he was a top seven closer. He was definitely top mm-hmm. ten. Uh, and it probably ranged, I think, from from six to eight or so, uh, d- depending. But he was really well thought of after the big first year uh, in 2016 as an age, age 33 closer. He had closed in Japan, so there wasn't this this sort of situation where it's like, well, can he really do it? No, of course. You know, He'd shown that he could. So even though there was only one year of an MLB sample, um, he was coming over with a, a track record from the KBO and Japanese leagues. But then he really fell apart. Home runs and hits really went uh, – and ravaged his numbers. The strikeouts really fell, and he had a tough year and eventually was ousted from the role. Age 35, O going to Texas. What do you think about him in that bullpen?
1: Uh, I'm staying out of that whole Rangers bullpen. This this kind of solidifies it for me. Oh, his breaking stuff and his his secondary stuff was just not as sharp in 2017 uh, compared to what it was in 2016, and this just muddies the... Ascension that I think you and Eno were both talking about in an earlier episode uh, about uh, Keone Kella eventually mm-hmm. getting a spot. Uh, it, it's a really ugly rotation, a really ugly bullpen, um, and a great offense. I don't understand what the Rangers are doing. I, I just I don't, I don't get it.
0: I don't really understand it either. And I'll tell you this um, if you want to get an idea for how I feel about Sengwano. When he was signed, I was up in the uh, in, in the NFBC draft and hold that I'm doing and it was my pick and I took Kayla and, and O went later that, that round. I'm still I'm still in with Kayla here. I, I'm not I'm not saying I don't think that O uh, deserves this job right off the top. He could win it. I'm still I'm betting on skills over role here, and I, I don't think Kayla will necessarily open with the role. But in a draft and hold, I think it was I don't know twenty sixth, twenty seventh round. We're getting late. I felt uh, I felt comfortable taking a shot on him. There's still also Alex Claudio and Jake Diekman too. And yeah, they are left handers. But one of the thing is when you, when you have two left handers, that, that that's one of the big reasons that that left handers don't often close is that if there's only one lefty in the bullpen, then you don't have him for those. Um, for for those middle innings when a key lefty comes up but in this instance they would still have the other guy to do it so i think there's really four candidates there i agree with you on on wanting to stay out of it generally speaking in a draft and hold situation i didn't have a problem taking a shot in what is ostensibly a uh a reserve round i think the bigger move in texas though is uh, uh literally bigger is that uh, bartolo Colon inked a minor league deal and you know what no offense to him, but I hope he never gets called up because then he'll be down the road at Round Rock, and I'll be watching him every fifth day. You better believe I'll make the trek up north. Uh, what, what a great signing for Texas, right? Then This is going to get them to the World Series, yes?
1: Yeah, I mean, there, there's no better morale booster for your <laughs> franchise than signing a 40-plus-year-old Bartolo Colon. I mean, it just— you know, he's got families to support, so I'm glad they really, you know, th- this was a charitable signing. Uh, it's, it's insane because we were talking briefly before we came on, and I, I think this is like the only rotation or one of the few rotations in baseball that he could actually crack at some point. It, it, it's it's, it's, that it's bad. terrible.
0: It's terrible. I mean, you got Hamels and, and people will have their, their thoughts on whether or not he can bounce back. I'm not sure I'm ready to bury him after a tough year last year, but from there you go, uh Pfister, Minor, Bushmore. And it's difficult uh to to really feel good about any of those guys. You got two relievers coming in and, and allegedly starting with Mike Minor and Matt Bush. You got Matt Moore who couldn't figure it out in San Francisco. What the hell is he gonna do in Texas? And Doug Pfister, who is about as bland of a you know, fourth-fifth starter as it gets. He's a perfectly fine MLB back end starter, but what is he gonna do for fantasy? I I, I tend to agree with you on – I would take your your closer idea further with Texas and say just Mm -hmm. avoid their pitching altogether. Like I said, I'll invest in Kayla late as a a reserve pick. But other than that, I think I'm staying out of this Texas uh, pitching entirely.
1: I think this feels like Matt Bush insurance. Like if they don't feel he's going to be good enough to start, uh, they can push him back into the bullpen where he's been fantastic when he's healthy. For sure. So I, I that's my feeling on this signing. It it again another signing that just doesn't make much sense.
0: No, I mean yeah, like you said, maybe it was a charitable thing so that he could support his multiple families. <laughs> uh, let's talk about a couple catcher moves. Uh, Alex Avila signed with Arizona, you know, and they had the the whole Jeff Mathis thing last year, and he was credited with certainly helping some of their pitchers, and I and I believe I believe that to be true. He's a very good catcher behind the dish, but he's such a negative with the bat. Uh, that that it was difficult for them to to really play him all that much, and that's why you know Chris Iannetta ended up getting some playing time. He had a little bit of a spike. Now he's off to Colorado. So Avila is going to be the full time or the the strong side platoon guy, and Mathis is going to fit in maybe be a caddy for somebody like Granky and and get the uh, the occasional start against left-handers. What do you think of Alex Avila in tech uh, in Arizona? Excuse me.
1: I I kind of like it as a really cheap catcher too in like your fifteen team leagues. Mm-hmm. I mean, Career High ISO, uh, you know, had a respectable batting average. It's a, it's another really nice park. I know a lot of people are really scared of the humidor uh, in Arizona. I think you and I are less scared about it. One, it's a different climate. And two, you know, they can set... The humidity on those things. It's not like the cheap one you buy at Bed Bath and Beyond. That, that <laughs> yeah, comes. it's not a
0: one size fits all. If they're, yeah. if they're spending the money on it, it's going to have settings, and they can kind of adjust mm-hmm. so it doesn't overdo it and make Paul Goldschmidt hit 14 home runs. Yeah,
1: Paul Goldschmidt is still a first rounder, people. <laughs> um, exactly, and 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 it
0: doesn't it doesn't pull. It's not going to perform miracles on their pitchers either. Mm-hmm. And I actually happen to like a lot of their pitchers, uh, but I don't think it's going to uh, evaporate. You know, eliminate their home run issues completely, which which Greinke, Corbin, Ray, and Walker have all shown at, at various times. And I, again, I like all four of those guys and a humidor would certainly help. But it, it's not a miracle thing. I, I would be careful to uh, not overrate the potential humidor, which, again, we still don't even know if it's coming. So I agree with you. I like Avila. The thing of it is, it's all health. Uh, and that's that's the case for a lot of guys, obviously. But I think it's especially so for catchers and a guy like Avila. We've seen when he's actually healthy and upright, he can put up really nice seasons. He can he can rake He's big time. And he's a nice C2. We play a lot of two-catcher leagues. I know a lot of other people are much more sane than us and play one-catcher leagues. But I like I kind of like the challenge of it, and it boosts up the value of those upper guys quite a bit. It really does make Gary Sanchez a pretty viable second, third rounder. Uh, but So then when you're digging for that, you're trying to find that gold with a C2. Alex Avila's going in pick 412 right now. Even if that boosts up 100 picks, I don't think it's hurting you if he's going if he's going at 300 right around the uh, Travis Darnold, Tyler Flowers, and former teammate James McCann range. I'd have no problem taking a shot with Avila in Arizona.
1: Yeah, he's swung outside of the zone less the last three seasons. Uh, made better contact. It, it's uh, I think he is a guy that is you know he, he's not going to hit twenty five home runs, but I don't think where he's going you need him to.
0: Exactly. And if that batting average that we saw holds, and I know he had a 382 BABIP, so it would take some uh, it would take some doing with with the 30-plus percent strikeout rate that he, he's consistently had now for four straight, five straight seasons uh, to maintain that. But even if that regresses, let's say the, the BABIP comes down and the batting average comes with it and he's hitting 245, 250 with 15 to 20 homers, depending – I'll take that as a C2. And again, OBP League, he also gets a boost. He's been a big-time walk guy, 14% career, uh, 17 and 18% the last two years for a view. So solid little C2, NL only type of guy. Um, and one other catcher move, even even a smaller move here, but it might impact somebody that a lot of folks were interested in, which is Chan Sisko in Baltimore because they traded for Andrew Susek. So now they've got three guys kind of in the mix, Chan Sisko, Caleb Joseph, and Andrew Susek himself. You and I were talking off, uh, off air before we jumped on. I was kind of, you know, hyped on Susek again in this C2 sort of gamble sort of range when he went to Milwaukee because I thought getting out from behind Posey and getting into a great hitters park might help him. And he played a combined 17 games the last two years. So going out to Baltimore, another great park. There's at least some opportunity potential here. Um, We'll see if he's able to do anything. He might just be the AAA guy who's ready at a moment's notice if something happens with Cisco or Joseph, but he's at least someone to pay attention to in AL-only leagues. What do you think of Andrew Susett going to Baltimore in a a small trade?
1: I had a lot of hope for him when he was with the Giants, that at some point he'd be a nice little catcher or two, uh, especially on days off for Buster Posey, but... I, I think I've just given up hope at this point. I mean, he, he played most of his games in Colorado Springs for the Brewers, only had eight home runs, hit 205, 307, 404. Oh, wow. I didn't realize he was that terrible in Colorado Springs. Uh, just just atrocious. I mean, I think one of the things I we thought as, you know, when he was with the Giants is he was showing real improvements in the strikeout rate, and those mm-hmm. haven't sustained. um it just i i think this is like you said th- this is going to be you know a quad a player he's up you know for injuries or for you know the 26 addition to a double header or something like that uh i don't think he's much more than that at this point
0: yeah, I'd I'd be more interested in it if it if it lowers the price on Cisco a little bit. Who I wouldn't mind taking as a C two as well. So that's where we are in the off season right now, guys. That we're talking C two options for like ten minutes. That's how ridiculous this freaking off season is. We got an injury, and then we'll get into the outfielders here. Irvin Santana out ten to twelve weeks after finger surgery. Um, you know, I I like big Irv. He's a really nice uh, rotation stabilizer, uh, workhorse type. We don't have a lot of workhorses these days, and as we say you're always healthy till you're not and then you know after uh four four years out of five where he was 180 innings plus the one where he wasn't was the one he was suspended and we can't say for sure that he would have made it but uh you know he has shown the track record of being a true workhorse in the game now he's slated to miss uh, up to three months potentially and frankly it kind of takes him off the board for me i i i do like him and i and i've uh you know saying the virtues of Urban Santana, especially in a, in a discussion with Nick Pollock of the pitcher list. And we're going to have him on as a guest soon. And I'm sure we'll end up getting into it, even though now it's completely hypothetical since Urban Santana got hurt. But I think an injury like this, I'm not necessarily trying to carry Santana uh, when he could miss up to two months, because you look at 10 to 12 weeks, that's just the the best timetable. And, you know, Colette has really taught me to be more mindful of, of the, of the timetables and, tack on to them because they they usually give the the uh, um, aggressive one the the, you know the one that they're hoping happens and then you got to probably add two to four weeks to all of them so for me it's just do you really want to hang on to for a half season if you're in a 10 or 12 even 15 team I think you just kind of let Irvin Santana go and then um, if he's on your wire when when he's about to come back then you look at it but I don't think I'm drafting him now at this point
1: I, I agree with you in terms of your traditional home leagues, uh, because especially because with the addition to – or the the 10-day DL kind of wrecking havoc on fantasy teams last year, you're not mm-hmm. going to be able to hold on to a guy like that for 10 to 12 weeks uh, in your traditional home leagues. Now, in your draft and hold leagues, where you have really, really deep benches and they're pretty ageist to begin with, his ADP was – you know, pretty tantalizing to begin with. You're going to see him drop a ton after this news. I wouldn't mind taking a shot there, you know, as my, you know, 10th or 11th starter, if that's where he's going to be going. Because he has shown, even though, like, the, the underlying skills don't look great and they don't, he still put up really good season in back-to-back years.
0: you don't fake that. You yeah. don't fake that. And I, by the way, um, I, I should say that the number of DL spots, I was in the NFC Mindscope here, NFBC Mindscope, which um uh, only allows the seven reserves. There's no DL. So that's what where, where I'm talking about, not drafting mm. him. I, I agree with you that there are situations, and we should definitely get into those, depending on how many DLs you have and the 50-round drafting I agree with you that then you do consider him because he was already cheap, and he's going to get much, much, much cheaper. So I do think Urban Santana is in play there. I agree with you. I should have stated that I was talking specifically NFBC with only seven reserves, that you're not trying to hold him for two-plus months as one of those seven, um, because I w- I'm not even all that interested in holding like a a, a prospect of, of note to do that, mm-hmm. You know, somebody that you expect to maybe come up after the Super 2. I don't even want to do that, so I'm certainly not going to hold a guy who's hurt. But in draft and hold, you're doing 50 rounds, and that's all you've got all year. Then I would jump in for sure, because what do you think he's going to go? Let's say he's going 190 right now. What do you think this is going to push him to? Could it go to 300 for Irvin Santana?
1: Yeah, I think it will. I, I think you're going to see him going – outside of the top 275 300 and I think at that point you spe- you know as as a reserve pitcher in a 15 team league that you can just stash there and have a bunch of other backup options uh, with your roster construction I think there is like you know in NFBC leagues you can't trade so you can't like add depth mid season so exactly. that's almost like a, getting a mid season trade when he comes back because he should be good and that defense behind him is really nice
0: and it's a finger too, so you know it can it can affect him, of course, because you're using your hand to pitch. But it's it's less concerning than than a shoulder or elbow. So I agree with you there on Irvin Santana. Definitely a draft and hold option. Or if your league uses a substantial number of DL slots, I would say five plus. Or if they, of course, if they have unlimited, you can stash him there because it will come at a at a very discounted price. So uh, hopefully, Big Irv gets gets healthy sooner than later. I do like watching him pitch. I do think he's somebody that when you watch him pitch, you kind of you kind of get it a little bit more why he's able to. Have have the success that he has um, he generates uh, poor contact keeps hitters off balance he doesn't have an amazing repertoire but he's got a really strong su- slider and then a decent uh, fastball changeup mix there and, and we'll see what happens when he gets back it could almost uh be like a midseason trade for minnesota you know that they get an acquisition but now that it really puts him behind the eight ball to maybe go out and get a darvish who they've been rumored with or an Arietta or lanceland i think they need to get an impact arm now with this injury this really cuts a leg out from under them because their rotation wasn't that strong to begin with you were looking at santana barrios at the top and and then what not much and i thought santana darvish barrios um would have been a nice little trio now they need a darvish just to kind of get back to to where they were not that darvish isn't better than santana but now it would be it'd still be the one-two punch so uh it hurts it hurts minnesota for sure but it could be a boon for you in your fantasy league
1: yeah i, I don't even know this aaron siegler's guy i i've is. heard the
0: name because he's in the, uh, the same division as, as my favorite team, uh, sl- Slaggers. And I thought it was a small I for a while. So I used to say that it was Aaron Seegers, but it's apparently a small L. Uh, it, it's Oh, and it's Slagers, according to baseball reference. Aaron Slagers is a 2013 fifth-round pick who threw uh, 15 in the third innings last year with a super-sweet 646 ERA, and a but a 117 whip. So maybe he was a little bit unlucky. Of course, if you allow uh, a 1.8 homer per nine rate, you're going to have trouble, especially in a tiny sample. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. They don't have a great rotation. Y'all you, you already know I don't trust Kyle Gibson at all. I think his, his second-half run was heavily heavily favored by the schedule i will say you did make a good point though that we could expound on a little bit further when it when you're talking about like go barrios um they do have a really good defense the outfield defense is incredible and the infield defense isn't too bad so i do think that if they get somebody like a Lynn, a Cobb, or or go big t- big time with a darvish Arietta Going to Minnesota, I think, is a nice move. It's a nice division. you got Cleveland to worry about, and that's really it. White Sox, Tigers, and Royals do not have imposing offenses. And you've got By- Byron Buxton chasing everything down out there with Kepler and Rosario on his wings that aren't too bad themselves.
1: Yeah, and uh, I- I'm going to push back a little bit on Kyle Gibson. It wasn't just the schedule. He made some yeah, actual changes. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. He, he never did.
0: changes. He's yeah. the worst pitcher ever. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Go <laughs> ahead. Go ahead.
1: He changed his arm slot a little bit. Uh, and uh, and moved a little bit on the rubber. And, I mean, you know pitching, those little changes can make a difference. Absolutely. From, from the beginning of August on, 8.38 strikeouts per nine, uh, two, uh, two walks per nine, kept the homers down, uh, three, five, five ERA. I actually like Kyle Gibbs. And then I've, I've, I've fallen for this before. See that, you know? that,
0: that that's, that's, that's the problem. I'm mm-hmm. scoring lover here. I've been on the Kyle Gibson train. I, I don't, I don't come at this from a, I've never tried this. I've been around this block so many times. And thankfully I did get the one good season in 15 when he put up uh, 195 innings of a 384 ERA, but I've also been around for a lot of the other uh, trash that has built up a 470 ERA and 730 innings. I loved him as a prospect. So yeah, I come from the scorned lover angle. and, And so I, I, I want to put that bias out on the table, and I understand what you're saying that there were some alterations too. It. it it never is just the schedule, because I was uh, I was kind of dismissing Buxton a little bit in the same way because his big surge also came during that light schedule, and then I did a deep dive and I and I saw okay no there was a lot of changes here that uh, that helped prop him too. So I I say that a little bit tongue in cheek for sure. I won't be drafting Kyle Gibson, but I fully understand what you're saying.
1: There's like no price attached, and that's I mean for me like he's. he's yeah, like he in the draft and holds, like he's going to be on all my teams.
0: Well, you can have him because okay. I don't want him. All it. right, let's talk outfield. Let's talk outfield here. We are talking NFBC. We, we've been in these draft and hold leagues. We've uh, gotten a feel for the pool here. And for those that, that don't know here, uh, playnfbc.sportshubtech.com. I'll put a link. But uh, for the most part here, I want to point out what, we're, what time frame we're looking at. So even if you do go to this link, um, I'm going from the – what I say, the 18th, Was yeah. it the last three weeks, yeah, the 18th. So like the last three weeks of drafts, which uh, is, is a total of I think 30, 51 drafts here that we're dealing with here from the NFBC. And I, by the way, I love this that they have the date ranges. And a draft isn't considered um, a part of this sample until it's actually done. So, for example, since it is mostly draft and holds, those are slow drafts. Things like Yelich and and Kane going to Milwaukee. Is not fully into these numbers yet. In fact, it might only be a very little bit. So keep that in mind when you are looking at these. That in, until the draft is done, they don't they don't add that ADP in there. And if you hear some numbers that that sound a little off to you about guys that have had recent moves up or down, just keep that in mind. Yeah. So uh, you know we'll start at the top. It's it's pretty easy here. We know it's Trout. But then the the, the guys going in the first round with regularity are Trout, Blackman, Harper, Betts. And, and, and Giancarlo Stanton. Obviously, we don't really have to talk about Chaudh. He's the number one pick. I don't really think you should deviate from that, although I will say I'm not going to kill anybody that that, uh, that goes for Altuve. I don't agree with it, but I don't think it's indefensible. Um, what about the other four? Blackman, Harper, Betts, Stanton. Do you agree with all of them in the first round, and which of those are, are you targeting?
1: I am probably only going to target Blackman and Betts. I feel like they've got the the safest floors uh, out of the guys. So um, yeah, well, I mean, I I, lo- I love what Harper can do, but when you're when you're picking in the first round, I, I want some sort of level of safety, and I just you I just don't know what we're gonna get year to year from a guy like Harper. The 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 ceiling is through the roof for sure, sure. but you know the, there is a floor there that uh, can be a little bit troublesome, especially with him you know getting injured. Uh, on a fairly regular basis over the last few years, so um, I, I'm I think Harper's still a first rounder. Would I take him eighth overall, kind of where he's going? No, I, I wouldn't. Stanton to me, it's hard. You know, I want to buy in completely, but I, I obviously know that last year was the ceiling, and we're not going to get that. And I think people are trying to buy that again, uh, especially being in New York. I, so I, I'm probably exact, not going to understand.
0: The last point you made is, is definitely giving people cover to buy in again. They're saying, yeah I, w- I would have regressed him, but now he's going to New York so I, I, I'm not going to regress him. I'm going to expect the same and, and to, a, to an extent, I get it. Um, I understand the hype on Stanton, but I myself I'm not really I'm not paying that price. I'd actually rather draft Harper. Uh, I actually see them somewhat similarly though remember we had those same issues with Stanton that he wasn't staying healthy and he, and he was having issues and um, both guys, even when they get hurt. Uh, often put up seasons that are, are are full season worthy at least In terms of their dollar production or Very close to it maybe not first round Level but uh, you know top three Four round level uh, and of Course you are buying some of the upside we saw what Harper could do in 2015 last year He only played 111 games but still went uh, 2987 with a 319 Average and even in 16 When he also got hurt 14, 147 Games he only hit 243 but Had the 21 stolen bases to kind of counter It so I I, I could draft all four of them in the right situation. I would need Blackman's going uh, on average uh, around pick eight and and Stanton around nine. I'm not going to give the like 7.57. 7. I'm just going to round, guys, just so you all know. So uh, sometimes it's going to be the same exact thing. For example, Harper and Betts are both 8.53. So they're going around pick eight. Um, if hey, Blackman, Stanton – go ahead.
1: Have you seen uh, – You know, sorry to jump in, but I just pulled up uh, Stanton's player page. Over on Fangraphs, have you seen the depth charts and Steamer projections
0: for him? They're insane, and you don't see that from from Steamer, for, from any projection system to project somebody for fifty three home runs. That like that speaks to the insanity of Stanton. The, I think the craziest part of that is that it's in one hundred and thirty six games.
1: Yeah, I mean that that I mean that is the reason why he's going so high. I I can't buy in on it, but like. Looking at that, I can understand why people are going insane. I mean, I've seen him go as high as four. Yeah, I've seen him go fourth overall.
0: It's not for me, and I'm with you. You know who I really like out of those two, though, is Harper and Betts. And I think Betts is one of my favorite first round picks going around between picks, you know, seven and 10. Um, He's gone as late as 15. God, I wish I could have been in that draft and gotten him at at 15. Uh, Same with, with Harper when he went 13. I could take Harper as high as, I'd say, I think six, both of them I could take as high as six. Blackman I am a little actually a little bit more concerned with, uh just because I think we'd definitely be buying on the high end and I know that he's still in Colorado. So you know, there's no reason to expect him to have a major fall off. I'm not I'm not expecting a collapse or anything, but he's been running less and less and I don't think we see another 37 homers. Uh so it really comes down to kind of the batting average for him and the runs. A buck 37 last year, that's absolutely bananas. So I think we got to regress him. I think that Steamer uh going back to them, they've they've gone too far with it. They've got him for 26 homers, 17 steals, 79 RBIs and just 101 runs with a 2.96 average. I'm a little bit higher than that. Um but I think all things equal, you know, if I if I get to a pick and it's Harper, Blackman and Betts all available. I think I go Betts, Blackman, Harper in that order personally. Um, And again, it's more about those other two and less about Blackman, more about Harper's just colossal upside to be, you know. 50 and 120 with a 300 plus average on the high end, of course I'm not expecting that and then bets. I think last year I really do believe that uh, you look at it and it was bad. It was bad luck last year I mean there were some some things you could say, you know You don't just say bad luck and completely write it off and walk away But when you really dig in it's hard not to feel like the 268 Babbitt had a lot of bad luck tied to it even even with him having some infield fly issues and uh, You know losing a little bit of his line drive rate. He still hit the ball as hard hard and he still went 24 homers 26 steals in a down year he's gonna be 25 years old give me that all day so I'm still very high on bets and I love that he's dipped down from what was he like the third fourth pick last year down to the eighth ninth pick this year I know that doesn't feel like a lot but in the first round every pick is kind of a big jump and so I really like bets in the middle of the first
1: Uh, I'm right there with you I mean he actually improved some of his contact rate numbers you know swung less outside of the zone uh, his swing strike rate uh, pretty much stayed steady, but went down just a little bit. Uh, I just, yeah, I think I think Betts is one of those guys that last year was an extreme version of what the floor can be. I, I would uh, fully expect him to bounce back up to like a two ninety five average, uh, thirty home runs or twenty eight to thirty home runs in Boston with a fantastic lineup. Yeah, I'm all aboard the Betts train again.
0: We gotta talk about Judge. He's kind of on an island by himself here because he's at he's at average pick 18, and then the next outfielder's at 24. So he's kind of he's kind of sitting there by himself. So we'll we'll talk about him independently. I'm fully out personally. Um, I guess I could see a scenario if he fell to his max pick, which was 27. You know, if he was in the if in the in the late 20s at some point, there is a situation where I might go ahead and do it just to get a share or whatever. But I'm just not really targeting him, and it's nothing really against him it's just the ultimate buy high yeah stanton is a buy high off of his big year but he's also had a lot of great years behind it judge we saw have just this colossal rookie season very mvp worthy i was fine with the uh, altuve pick i wouldn't have griped if it had been judge but i do believe that altuve uh, he was my pick And again, I don't think he's going to completely fall off, but I think we saw at the beginning of the second half, the ways it can go wrong and he rebounded to his credit. So I really did like seeing that from judge that, that, yeah, he had that big struggle and then surged back up and and looked, looked really good with the, with the big finish. But, uh, I just, I don't want to pay the freight. I just, I can't do it, uh, at, at pick 18. So I'm kind of out on judge. Where do you stand?
1: I'm right there with you. I think this is where steamer kind of nails it. You know, they've got a 254, 368, 518 kind of line, so 37 home runs, seven stolen bases. Uh, And that's good. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. It's a good second rounder. Yeah, I think it's best served if you are either, like, drafting towards the top of a a 15-team league and you've grabbed a speedster like Trey Turner or Altuve and he falls to you. I'm totally down for that. Or if you're in an auction and you can pair him with a d gordon you know get the batting. So if you can average. plan around him that's mm-hmm. a that's
0: a good call and i was going to ask you exactly what situations you would take him so you, you already answered that question right off the top and i think i agree with you especially on the first one where if he fell to me and i already had turner in tow okay now i'm a bit more open to it and you know for some reason he's fallen somebody's jumped bellinger ahead of him who we're going to talk about in a minute and and jd and and, and springer and for some reason it's just an anti-judge room. Maybe it's a bunch of Boston fans that uh, just can't can't deal with Yankees and they don't want to take judge Again, I could be open to it if he's closer to his max pick But he's it's gone as high as seven and sitting around 18 and it's just not for me with judge Yeah. I'm with uh, let's let's talk about this next grouping here. We got Bellinger 20 pick 24 JD Martinez pick 25 Springer around pick 31 Uh, And I'll throw in—actually, you know what? We'll we'll go there with just those three because then it's another uh, decent group after that, after about 12 picks. So what do you think about Bellinger, Martinez, and Springer?
1: Yeah, this is about the time I'm looking at taking my first pitcher or if I took power in the first round, I'm looking for speed. They're all— Great players. Bellinger, I'm completely out on. it. just, you know, the same kind of concerns with Judge. I don't think there's any way he repeats the, the, the power totals from last year. I think he's like a 35 home run guy over the course of a full year, especially same. with the swing and miss we saw. And him getting kind of exposed in the playoffs is really scary to me. Um ugh. I, I love Springer. You know I love Springer. I mean, you it's know, awesome. I've got George Springer bathwater T-shirts uh, made up. You I'm know? so jealous. that <laughs> You got
0: it before it went away. I, I'm slow on the trigger. There. I,
1: I have an extra one. I'll bring I'll bring you one to Towers, So yes. <laughs> um, and maybe that's, that's
0: Justin's fantasy team name in in our AL only. League, George Springer's bathwater. So he loves George Springer, obviously. And we were going crazy every time he hit a home run in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I mean, so I mean, I, I love him. I love watching him play. I love watching him in the dugout. I like to me, we're still paying for that idea that at some point he's going to be like a 3020 guy. Uh, and I, I just don't buy that. And so like, I, I'm, I'm addressing a different position in this spot in a, in a snake draft
0: that's the thing i i don't end up with these three and i'm a big jd martinez backer. i almost love him i think as much as you love springer um the fact that he doesn't have a team is a little bit worrisome but not to the level where i wouldn't draft him but it, it it's not so much about any of these three guys it's what i'm looking at in that area and it and it ends up being the thor bumgarner strasburg you know the big pitchers there severino de as opposed to looking for another power bat and, you know, even in some there was a situation where I did have all three of them available and Freeman and I went ahead and took Freeman because I, I wanted to have one of the top end first baseman. And so I think it was a draft. It was a, only a mock. So it's not being pointed out, but it was like a, a Turner Freeman situation because I wanted to get the power at first because I felt I could get it in the outfield later. So it's less about these three and more just about draft composition and where they're at with the pitchers that they're around. Mostly I'm going to be looking for pitchers. But uh, otherwise, I might even be looking for like a Freeman or if one of the guys just ahead of those guys falls like a a Ramirez Lindor or even Gary Sanchez, who I'm more open to taking in the second round in the right situation because he's so far and above the other catchers. I don't normally jump in on the top catcher pool, but he's so good. He hits he hits like these guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sanchez does his power is like these three that we're talking about. So, yeah, I just don't really take them. It's less about them and just more about what's around. Uh, let's jump down. Like I said, it's about 12 picks from there. You go to Benintendi at 42, Marcelo Zuna at 47, Upton at 47 as well, Reese Hoskins at 49, Starling Marte at 53, Buxton at 53, and then we'll get Tommy Pham there at, at – uh, actually, we'll leave him off because he, he's got another group there. So Benintendi, Ozuna, Justin Upton, Reese Hoskins, Starling Marte, and Byron Buxton, who's your favorite and who stands out as somebody that you're not taking at all with the, these ADPs?
1: Uh, for me, it's all about Starling Marte in this group. Uh, okay, I'm, tell us uh, about it. I mean, he, we know he missed all, he missed half the season last year due to suspension, but when he came back, he was the same player he's always been. Uh, hits for enough power to be interesting. Stole 21 bases in 77 games last year. 275, really like 3, 3, 333, 379, triple slash. I know the Pirates uh, team is going to be a little bit more depleted So maybe the counting stats aren't there, but you're getting, like, I don't know, a 30-pick discount from last year because of the suspension? Oh, yeah. That seems really, really cheap. I already have him. I, I, I I have, like, four or five drafts in already this season, and I think I have three shares. So I'm all about Starling Marte.
0: Here's the thing. I love McCutcheon as a player, and I was pretty hyped on his rebound last year. I, th- I thought he was somebody worth drafting because I didn't think that, that he was toast uh, based on the fact that he had a strong finish to 16, uh, but I don't think losing him decimates them. I think you could see some uh, continued development or at least another strong season out of Josh Bell. I still love Gregory Polanco, who since we're talking outfinders, we'll get to a little bit later. And then Colin Moran's a really interesting piece here. He did make some swing changes that, that untapped some power in the minor leagues last year, and if he ends up hitting the way they feel like it could, I'm not sure that say, uh, you know, Polanco and Bell both getting better, plus Moran doing something uh, solid for a full season, I'm not sure that that doesn't cover what they're going to lose from from McCutcheon Not to mention they have they still have Austin Meadows down there in the minors who had a very bad season for for the prospect hype that he's had. But I don't think we're ready to bury him yet at age twenty three. I don't think I'm going to go around saying that he's done either. So if he comes up as well and they put him in left field, now they've got another strong outfield together with uh Marte Polanco and, and Meadows, and and they're not really awful anywhere if you look up and down the lineup there. Jody Mercer would be Jody Mercer would be the worst guy, and he's your number eight. Hitter, which you, you can have a dud in the in the National League. If, if Moran comes through, I think they're going to have a solid but unspectacular lineup up and down, so I'm not even sure that it's going to hurt Marte that much. Uh, I, I agree with your points. I think you're kind of selling me on him because I hadn't really looked at him that much, and, and hearing you talk about him, like yeah, like, yeah, is pretty dang interesting, especially at the discount. Um, for me, I, I don't think Justin Upton gets enough love, personally. I, I, I still think that he is being held up to these – Weird standards of being the number one overall pick as if he hasn't lived up to them. The dude has 6,200 plate appearances of a 121 OPS plus. He's 21% better than league average over his career with spikes higher and only you know, only a handful of, of dips lower. I know he had a 106 back in 16. He had to rally really late to even get the 31 homers with the Tigers because uh, he hit 246 that year, and he's got a couple 110s on his ledger. But otherwise, a buck 35, 133, 124, 141. He's a stud, and he's only going to be 30, and I really like that L.A. team. They had a really great offseason. It feels like ages ago that they made all their moves because nothing else has happened. I think he's still a really solid value. I don't know that he's going to necessarily beat pick 47 in terms of value. He doesn't have to, though. He's a foundational piece that you can kind of set your watch to, and he also steals a little bit. He's had um, nothing lower than eight. In his entire career as far as full seasons go since 2009 and only three times has he been below 14 Which is what he had last year and so Mike Sosha runs and he has a good enough rate so I could see another 35 15 with a 260 average and a 100 100 because of that lineup as far as runs and RBI So I really like Justin Upton Um, And Reese Hoskins is the guy I'm not taking at that ADP and it's it's not that I don't think he's good uh, I love the plate approach that he has and I think there's a, a lot of good things to like but pick 50 pick 49 No way, man uh, If you look at his big run that he had just starting from when he came up Edwin and Knercion did the exact same thing he did mm-hmm. they 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 were in lock step down the stretch there and for whatever reason it's like well Hoskins is gonna build on that whereas you know Everyone's thinking that uh, in is gonna come down now. I understand that Inca is like fifty two years older, and I'm not saying that they're a hundred percent equal. But what I'm saying is, you can't take a fifty game sample and be "That's who this guy is," because plenty of guys have a fifty game run like that, especially at the top end uh, of players. I just can't take Hoskins as 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 fifty. What do you think of Justin Upton and Reese Hoskins?
1: Well, I'll start with Hoskins because that's the that's the player debate I've been having everywhere on on my podcasts over at uh, FWFB and on uh, my radio show uh, on fantasy is is asking people between Hoskins and E five. And I think a lot of people are ageist, and and they take Hoskins, but the range of outcomes with a guy like Hoskins is so wide. Whereas I can literally pencil in my stats for E five right now, like absolutely, you know, it, it's what February eighth, and I can go, okay, he's going to give me a two sixty average, thirty five home runs, you know, eighty five uh, runs scored, a hundred RBI. I, like I know exactly right now, and that makes roster construction during a draft. So much easier, so I'm all aboard uh, e five over Hoskins. Um, I understand people chasing that upside, but people really need to stop trying to project a 50 run sample into a hundred and sixty game sample. it's it's just it's, it's not fair to anyone
0: it's it's again i agree with it too and i'm a draft your guy you know i said get your guys and if hoskins is your guy i understand but it's it the hype is so high and heaven forbid he goes out and hits you know seven spring training homers because it'll actually go up Mm -hmm. if you can believe that you know he said he has a min pick of 35 and i'm just not doing it i like the um the the minor league track record i like the plate approach but when you take him at pick 50 reese hoskins has to perform for you there's no wiggle room he has to give you an Edwin and on season. So I know we're talking outfield, but he has that one uh, first base eligibility, and I actually think he might be better as a first baseman because um, it can get a little light there in terms of the, the upper tier with first base, and then you start getting into the questions pretty quickly. Now, there's a giant group in that question mark tier, um, but yeah, I think Hoskins is somebody that I, I just, I'm not going to have any shares of at that price.
1: Yeah, right, it, as far as Justin Upton goes... I, I see your optimism, and you actually kind of making me buy in a little bit more, especially because the Angels did lead the major leagues in stolen bases. So I think that stolen base total could actually go up as opposed to down, like Steamer projects. Mm-hmm. I, I worry that maybe we're not going to see the hundred hundred and runs and RBIs again. I mean, it's not like he was playing in a slouch lineup in Detroit the last few years. Um, so I yeah, I I don't know if I'm gonna. I I think maybe a little bit regression there, but I think uh, other than that, he's going to be fine. I just, I don't know. It's just not a sexy pick.
0: That's the thing. and People don't want to take him. They want to take Hoskins because it's sexy. Sexy doesn't win your leagues. It really doesn't. And, That's and, true. Like and I was the just talking football. about with
1: E5. So. Exactly.
0: Uh, I will say this about Upton. You make a good point that he wasn't on bad lineups in, in Detroit, and he wasn't necessarily doing the deed of 100-100. to He had 81 and 87 during that dud 2016. Like I said, he had to rally to get the 31 homers. But he's also batting like fifth, sixth a lot. Mm-hmm. He's penciled in to bat third here behind Kinsler, his former teammate, and Trout. Um and and so you know, you can drive in those guys. They should both be on base quite a bit. I actually like Kinsler. I know we're not talking second base, but I like him because he's going really cheap. I know Pools is right behind him. But then you got Calhoun, Cozart, Simmons, you know, those. it's not It's it's not a bad lineup. There's not really deficiencies anywhere in the lineup. So we'll see what Pujols is like. That could curb the runs. I would be willing to say that uh, I'm too aggressive saying 100 runs. Maybe it's more of uh, an 85-90. But I do feel really good about the 100-plus ribbies with Kinsler and Trout up, up, up top there. Assuming he bats third as roster resource has it currently penciled in. Yeah, that's fair. All right, let's move on to the next group. Here we got another big chunk of guys: Tommy Fam at pick 59, Pollock pick 60, Billy Hamilton 65, Christian Yelich 65, and that will rise, folks. I, I think we probably could have put him in the last group and just preemptively jumped in because uh, um, I think that he'll at least be there, if not in the Benintend in the Benintendi Ozuna part of that group. But we'll, for now, we'll just assess him here as as pick 67, and then. Um, I'll wiggle in Domingo Santana because he's kind of out on an island in his own here uh, in between Chris Davis, who's uh, also picked 67, and Andrew McCutcheon. So we're going to go Pham, Pollock, Billy Hamilton, Yelich, k K-Riss Davis, and Domingo Santana. What do you think of that group?
1: Man, I, I've been trying to kind of crap on Tommy Pham for a while, but the more and more I look at what he did last year and the fact that, that St. Louis is actually – Moved outfielders away and trading away uh, Grichuk and Piscotty t- seems to me like they are completely comfortable with giving Tommy Pham a full run of plate appearances in 128 games. Went 23, 25, 300, 400, 500. Um. Uh, yeah. I. I actually really like Tommy Pham. And He's so good. It's it's hard because I you know he came kind of came out of nowhere and so I want to discount him. But the last time I did that, I did it to J.D. Martinez, and, and <laughs> I've eaten crow for it for the last few years. Um, tasty, tasty crow. Uh, um, and so, uh, you know, Pollock is a guy that I I just don't trust to stay in the field. Um, I love Billy Hamilton, but not everybody is a a big fan of like the one category superstars. I am, especially well, if you're when doing it's it.
0: Speed. If you're doing it, and I talked about this on the show before, make sure that you're going in with the idea of taking him or if you're if you don't know for sure if you're gonna take him make sure you have a plan if you do get him because what I see happen so often is people take him and they don't alter their draft the way they have to so they wind up way too power deficient if you take Billy Hamilton and maybe you don't have boppers to open your draft maybe you got some guys that are are more 20 to 25 they're the do everything sort of guys first off if you do have the guys that are power speed combos already you really shouldn't take Billy Hamilton I don't think but if you've got Stanton and Judge and you got the big power guys up front then go ahead and take billy hamilton if as long as you're drafting around it but what i see too often is people that don't draft around him properly and end up with way too much speed especially in nfbc where you can't trade and if you end up winning your league by you know 25 steals that's all surplus that you wasted so my my biggest issue with rabbits like that is that folks don't plan properly around it i actually took him in the arizona draft and i paired him with chris davis uh with a k right after Mm, uh intentionally obviously that's going to hit the batting average but but i i felt i had some batting average elsewhere with bregman earlier and then and then some picks later but if you go with those two right off you know together there as a combo and you smush their power and speed together I'm fine with it but I just see too many people taking him kind of um without planning for it so I'm I trust that you plan properly for For it when you take him
1: for me like it's it's less about the power deficiency early on um because I think you can get power late for me it's if you have some sort of power deficiency or if you have a batting average deficiency early on if you took some batting average like just regular you know mediocre guys early on taking a Billy Hamilton can sink your batting average because, you know, it, you're going to start running out of really good batting average guys to kind of make up for that, uh, and especially in OBP leagues. It's, it, it can be it can be really, really bad. So you just have to, like you said, you, ha- you have to change your roster construction when you take a guy like Billy Hamilton. I like doing that, and I like punting batting average, so I will do that uh, in non-NFBC leagues. Uh, but in NFBC, it's really hard because, like you said, you can't pick up... Um, you're kind of stuck with what you got, uh, cause you can't make trades. Um, and having a bad bang average or punting batting average in NFBC means you have no shot at the overall.
0: You have no chance. And, and you really want as Chris Lith always points out with so much of your entry fee going to the overall to punt, that is just such a bad investment. So you have to be smart. I really do like actually getting Billy Hamilton in trade leagues because I think something that's a little bit underrated on his value is that you can trade him in July or August and you'll get something. Speed's the easiest thing to trade. So you can get that big impact arm. Um, you maybe get that big closer that you need to make a saves rally. You can get some pop. You can you can trade him in just by any league. Of course, you know your league better than anybody else. So if you are in a non-trading league, you, you know maybe you guys have trading allowed, but you guys just never trade then don't take Billy Hamilton. But if you are in a league that allows trading and is very active, I do like Billy Hamilton, even at such a high ADP of, of pick 65 and upwards of pick 36 as his min because you use him for four months and then you flip him. Um, is there anybody in this grouping here, again, Fam, Pollock, Billy Hamilton, Yellich, K. Riz, Davis, and Domingo Santana that you're fully off on? Or do you, um, can you see taking any of them at their given ADP?
1: I think I can take uh, Yelich at his current ADP. I think where he's going. If we if we talk about this in two weeks and the inflation is hit, uh, I'm out on Christian Yelich. I just I know a lot you. of people are really really excited about the park change uh, and, and the potential that he could change his approach. Like I I don't buy that. He he was still like a fifty uh, percent plus ground ball guy on the road last year, I, I don't see that as uh, a part of his game that is necessarily going to change a lot. It could change a little bit, and I think we could see him as more of a 24 uh, home run guy, and if he sure. does pick up some stolen bases, but I, I've seen guys in the industry, guys I really respect, um, say that he's now a top 10 outfielder, which puts him up by you know Springer and Benatendi. That seems just too much inflation for me and I can't buy in at that price. Well, he's
0: better than Benintendi already. So for, I see what you're saying in terms of like Springer. I just think Benintendi's overvalued in comparison because what we were talking about last year, Christian or Benintendi is like a Christian Yelich starter kit. And I, I think he's already better. I get your main point about the, 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 the ground ball rate. The park's not going to help unless he starts to lift the ball. The one thing about using the road, though is that it's probably pretty hard to change your home and road approach but if you going to a, a new home park and changing your entire approach a little bit and not not that he's going to be, you know, a 35% ground ball guy now. You're not we're not going to see some sweeping change. But if he gets into the, like the, you know, 48 to 51% ground ball rate and that all goes into fly balls and and now he's pushing 30% on his fly ball rate, then I do think we could start to see him push the upper 20s. And they run a lot in Milwaukee and he could be, you know, uh 28 Homer 25 steel guy with good batting average. That's better than Ben Benintendi Ben went 2020 last year with a decent batting average. And we don't know what he's going to do this year. He's going to have a sophomore season, but I already I already think Yelich is markedly better than than Benintendi in terms of what he's proven, and in in terms of his overall skill. So um, I would never take Benintendi at that cost when I can get Yelich cheaper. Now, if they were you know neck and neck, that's a different story about whether or not I'd take Yelich up at that Benintendi price. But as it stands right now, if you love Benintendi, you should just wait and take Yelich because he's the better player
1: yeah and i will say full disclosure if you if you go to like Fangraphs and, and play around with his uh splits tools um and you look at his ground ball uh rates and his fly ball rates from month to month on the road this is Yelich. still yeah, okay you're looking at a guy who who improved month to month hitting less ground balls on the road and more fly balls on the road to the point where he was actually under 50% ground balls uh, in the oh, last okay. month of the season and had a 31.7 fly ball percentage. So, I okay, mean, there that's is, interesting. you know, if you want to believe there is, there are ways to back up why you would believe that.
0: I don't, here's the thing. I will say as a high end, a high end, not a projection as a high end. I don't think 30, 20, is out of the realm. I just don't. I think Yelich is a really good player. Has nothing to do with the fact that people say I look like him, which is very flattering to me and very rude to him. Uh, I greatly appreciate it, but uh, it's that's not that bias. It's just that I think we've seen a really skilled player here uh, for five seasons now, and he's going to a really friendly park and in a good lineup. Not that he's never been in a good lineup. That lineup in Miami last year was actually really good, which made the teardown all the more frustrating for Miami fans. And I understand that you know a a, a big part of it, and we don't have to get into this. you know, the death of Jose Fernandez really. Mm. As, as, as devastating as it was from just an emotional losing their 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 friend and, and family member that that's obviously the most important factor but then when you even pivot over to the on the field it completely devastated that team and i think that that really took them down from being a team that was kind of on the rise to one that obviously has now sold out everything and uh, but we'll see i think yelich in milwaukee could be nice but if the, if if it goes too high you know, I'm really eager to see when a bunch of these drafts get, get logged into the NFBC ADP to see where he's going uh, as a full brewer here. And if he's going as a top, you know, 30 pick, then you're talking George Springer and I'm going to go Springer over Yelich. You know, I, I'm I'm with you at that point. All right, let's let's go a little bit quicker. And I'll go with a bigger group. Andrew McCutcheon at pick eighty five. Chris Taylor at pick 90. Uh, you can mention Taylor, but he's much better as a second baseman, but but he is in here. Yohan uh, Assessment is at pick 91. Lorenzo Kane at 99. Nick Castellanos at 101. Braun at 112. Desmond at 113. Marwin at 114. Again, first, second, short, outfield. Uh, you, you probably shouldn't be putting him at outfield or first. You really should be getting him in that middle infield, but you can mention him if you want. Puig at 114. Rosario at uh, 118. Ender Inciarte at 123 and Ronald Acuna at 123. I know that's a giant group, so you could just pick a couple favorites or or anybody that you're fully out on. And again, that's McCutcheon, Chris Taylor, Ioannis Cespedes, Lorenzo Kane, Nick Castellanos, Ryan Braun, Ian Desmond, Marwin Gonzalez, Yasiel Puig, Eddie Rosario, Ender Inciarte, and Ronald Acuna.
1: Well, I'll start with maybe a couple guys I love and I think uh, guys you you like as well. Um, I love Lorenzo Kane. I mean, his move Absolutely. to Milwaukee, to me, is going to be huge for his value. Uh, getting to get out of Kauffman Stadium, out of that Royals lineup that was is, was going to really suck this year. Hitting atop top of that Brewers lineup in Milwaukee. Ooh, I'm all over Lorenzo Cain. I actually, uh, my, my draft hasn't finished, so it hasn't updated on the site's website. But when it does, my last pick in my current NFBC draft will be his high pick.
0: Oh, you're you gonna be the man pick? Where where'd you take him? I
1: took him seventy fifth. So it's like just one okay. pick up. But uh, But you're
0: moving but you're moving that meter up.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I uh, can
0: get behind that. Remember, we were saying uh, that the there was actually nobody at seventy five, but that'd be right in between Karris Davis at sixty seven and Domingo Santana at seventy eight, his current teammate, but I think not for a very long time. And I would definitely take Kane above um uh, uh, above Domingo Santana and probably above Chris Davis. And I like Chris Davis. I really do. I think he's a, a bona fide power hitter. But what Kane can do, if you, are you thinking maybe like upwards of 10 homers possible to, to add and set a new career high at, at 25? Is that too high uh, as far as the homers go? Where where do you see Kane going with the pop?
1: I think it's just a combination of everything. One, you know, like I said, I like to punt batting average. But when I'm not punting batting average, to have a guy who can hit 300 live and go like – I think he could go twenty 30
0: That'd be so nice with a 300, 300 average and I mean, 100 plus runs. And right? that's
1: a ceiling, and that's really dependent on how many games he's played, sure. he plays. And, and they have said they're going to try to keep him healthy, especially with the amount of bodies they have right now. But I, I still think he's a guy that like 15 home runs that he hit last year is the floor. And I think this is a team that is going to push it at the top of the – uh, the the uh, batting order. So I I'm looking at like he could easily go fifteen thirty, fifteen thirty five with a three hundred average, and then there's potential for more growth in in the power. Uh, that to me seems like I don't know. I mean, that's you know what we've been drafting Starling Marte in, in previous seasons around pick thirty.
0: Yeah, hell of a lot higher there, and and you know Kane is going to go up from ninety nine, but. I'm not sure that his average draft position is going to go much higher than the 75 you took him. And I could see taking him as high as, say, 60, which puts him around Pollock. And mm-hmm. you're talking Pollock numbers right now. And not as, you know, they both have their health concerns, but I think Pollock's a little bit more chronic with his stuff, whereas Kane is usually kind of going all out on defense. I guess they both are going all out. You know, I, uh, wasn't it that uh, he slid into home during a spring training game is what hurt Pollock? You know, he goes all out. Um, so I, 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 I shouldn't say that, you know, for one guy, uh, and not the other, that both of them get hurt because they, they go full bore they're center fielders. So they both carry that injury risk, but between those two Kane and Pollock, who do you prefer?
1: Oh, it's easily Kane. I, I don't trust Pollock to stay on the field. Yeah. And okay. But like, here's my question to you. Like, why shouldn't he, why shouldn't Kane go above Byron Buxton?
0: Oh, he should. I, I have no problem with that, um, and I've I've come around a bit on Buxton from where I was. But mm-hmm. between those two, I would take Kane, and you don't have to pay the same price. So you're going to give me Kane cheaper, but even at the same cost, let's put them both right at sixty. You know, Buxton's a average fifty three right now, but let's say he dips down a little bit and he goes at sixty, and they're both right there with Pollock. Those three, I think I go. I think I, I personally go Kane, Buxton, Pollock. Um, okay. Oh, those of you that love Pollock, hit the comments up. Let, let us know why we should be in because I know there's this big believers out there and I used to really like Pollock and I think I'm just scared off on the health and I maybe I'm being lazy and I've just kind of dismissed him so I don't have to have another guy to think about too deeply but I'm just not in on him I have the same sort of sour feeling with Pollock that you do so if you're the big Pollock backer out there go ahead hit the comments let us know make the case for Pollock I'm open I'm, I'm I'm willing to listen but right now I'd be favoring Kane for sure and I think I'd even favor Buxton's upside versus Pollock again another guy who gets hurt by the way Buxton playing all out uh, but I think that his potential is for 50 steals and that's why I think I would take him over Pollock
1: uh, other guys I really like, Yasiel Puig, you and I are both, uh, Love I think, Puig. Puig guys. I haven't read the article. There's some sort of uh, news about him uh, leaving his agency or something like
0: that. So. Actually, was fired from his agency. Oh. They, they got rid of him. So, you know, there's maybe a little bit of concern there. But uh, apparently it was, quote-unquote, behavior-related. Now, if it, if it comes out and it's something severe – Um, we'll, we'll, we'll reassess, you know, we're not going to blindly support him and then find out that, that there's something that's going to, you know, put, get him in trouble or, um, you you know, potentially cost him a suspension if it's something severe. But I feel like if it was something to deal with the law, that that would have come out first and then he would have been booted from his agency. So maybe he was just a dick to them. You know, I, I, I just. I don't know. I'm not too worried about it until we hear more with Puig. He had a great year last year. I've always been in on Puig and I remain all in.
1: Yeah, I'm all in and I think uh I think some people are kind of scoffing uh over the price tag. I I I don't see it. I mean, to me uh the, you know, he went 28-15 with a 2.63 average. Uh even if he, you know, even if there's no more growth coming, that's that's a pretty fine uh value. Uh, where he's going. Ian Desmond is a guy I believe will bounce back. Mm-hmm. Um, I and, I, and I like the multi positional eligibility.
0: Um, unfortunately it's full price though i was kind of hoping yeah. for a discount on desmond because i'm a desmond backer as well but it's basically full price he was going higher last year but i don't think that the discount uh insofar as it is is commensurate with the fact that we got a dud season there so i know that's coors keeping the price high i will still buy in but i i was hoping that he was going to be kind of in the uh the 130s or later range and i was going to get a ton of shares as it stands being pick 113 you know, between ninety and one thirteen, I'll probably get a couple shares, but not not the colossal investment I was expecting to get on Desmond.
1: He, he's got a wide range of ADPs, is early as ninety, as late as one sixty. That think is he's, severe. He's one of those guys you just kind of you shouldn't be targeting necessarily. You should go, oh my god, it's you know, pick one forty five, and he just fell to me. Yep. Um Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what we saw last year. He dealt with injuries. The speed was still there. The average was uh, actually uh, pretty nice. Uh, so, uh, you know, the power will be will be fine. And if he goes, you know, 25, 15, um, it's going to be you know, you're going to be happy. You, you took him around pick 145, 150 if that's where he falls to you.
0: Yeah, I, I'm definitely in on Desmond, Puig, Nick Castellanos. Obviously, being a Tiger with that team, you know, the the context numbers, the runs and RBIs, you got to be skeptical with for any of the Tigers that you might be interested in. Not that everyone's going to be that interested in too many of them. Castellanos and Cabrera, uh, if you are a Cabrera backer, might be the only ones. But I do like him. I do think he's a true power hitter that's really coming into his own. And, uh, you know, his high pick of 67, I could never do just because of those context numbers, because even on the highest end, I don't think you can really project 100 on either the runs or rbis but i do think he's a really good hitter if he if he's staying in his adp or lower you talk about a disparate range for desmond Castianos is 67 to 151 so he's got his big backers and he had a group of heavy non-believers and if he's toward that low end i'm jumping in but as it stands right now i'd probably take other guys like desmond puig I'm a little bit intrigued by Eddie Rosario and it, it stems from seeing him in the Arizona Fall you saw a couple good games from him but everything I heard you know you, you sit around and, and there's Scouts there and there, there's analysts like our fantasy analysts like ourselves and you hear them talk about whomever's that bad and, and and how they feel about him and he nobody was having anything good to say about him I was like oh you know that's that's interesting because I actually really like him um, and then he had a really good weekend a uh, really good weekend a really good season this year with 27 homers nine steals 290 average although he went Nine for seventeen, so don't bank on any sort of steals for me. Not not very efficient on the bases, uh, but was just a run and two RBIs short of eighty eighty. Gonna be age twenty-six. I don't know, I can I kinda dig Rosario. You know, he's not a great player by any stretch. I don't think there's a ton of upside, but if you're getting him at his ADP or lower, one eighteen or lower, I don't hate him.
1: I like the approach change. You know, swung outside of the zone. Uh, less made more contact, improved his contact rate over five percentage points last year. Uh, Swinging strike nice. rate went down almost four percentage points. Um, he's not like a sexy guy again, uh, but I think he I think he has a pretty safe range of outcomes, which is nice. So if you've taken some maybe riskier guys up top, you know he's a guy that I think should go twenty five eight twenty five nine next year with like a. 270 to 280 average. So, I mean, it's not a guy who's going to win your leagues, but, like, you know, those are bankable stats to me.
0: I think he'll consistently fall below his ADP too. I think that mm-hmm. 65 min pick is really carrying the uh, the 118 mark. He's 169 on his on his max pick, so over a hundred pick difference. That's pretty severe. I think he'll be more in the 130s, and that's when I start to like him. I like Ender Inciarte as a cheap speed option, but you got to plan around it because I don't think the 11 homers are coming back. I think that was definitely uh, you know ball related and something that you you really have to scale back to say six or seven. Um, he'd he'd hit 13 total in three seasons before hitting 11 last year and during CRT did. So that was a, 13 homers in 1,586 plate appearances and then 11 in 718 last year. So, um, but I do like the the 20-something steals and a good batting average. It's harder to get batting average once you kind of get past pick 100 or so. And so the fact that you're getting a plus 300 average at 123, I do kind of like, and I think Atlanta's offense is, is sneaky solid. I do, um, we all know how much I love, we all love Albies, you and I, uh, Andy, you know. Um, so, you know, we like some guys over there. I, I would definitely take NCRT above Acuna. Actually, I, I don't want to say definitely, as if I could never take Acuna there. But what, what do you think of Acuna? We got we got to talk about him. I think we'd get yeah. rage comments if we totally bypassed him. Pick one twenty three. How are you feeling about Acuna?
1: I, I am the in the minority, and it, I think I'm the lone voice of reason on Acuna. <laughs> like I know a lot of people are like he's he's gonna be up early. He's gonna be up, you know, bef- before the start of May. I just don't get it. Like, and a lot of people are like, "Well, look what happened with Chris Bryant. The Cubs were trying to win a World Series when they just held Chris Bryant down for a couple weeks." This is a really, really young guy that has never struggled—absolutely never struggled at any level. He's just breezed through. Is that the kind of? Do you want him to struggle for the first time at the major league level at 20 years old? I know people are really excited about him. But one, you're right now you're paying like he's going to be up. There is no guarantee of that. I'd rather have Victor Robles, who I think will be up before him, and he's going, I think, like 150 picks later. Oh,
0: maybe even later than that. Yeah, I guess it uh, be about 300. I mean, he's so cheap. He's he's so cheap. Oh, hang on, let me find him real fast for you. Pick 318 right now. So, yeah, over 150 picks later.
1: Yeah, I I just – like, I understand, like, this – I think Gokunia, when he is up, is going to be good. I do think there are chances he could struggle. Trout struggled in his first uh, major league call-up. Correa struggled after being kind of – Having to make adjustments against, Mm -hmm. you know, the pitchers making adjustments. So, like, don't think just because this guy is, you know, a top prospect or the top prospect in baseball that he can hit the ground running at 20 years old. He's still going up against major league pitching. I think his price is insane. Absolutely insane. Uh, There's no way I would take him inside the top 150. So, him going inside the top 125 to me just, it does. It makes me giggle. And I know I'm the, like, the minority and a lot of guys who know prospects better than me and know the prospect game better than me uh, believe he will be up early. Pocota put out their standings projections, I think, today or yesterday. They've, we're got, Atlanta. they've got Atlanta finishing fourth in the division. Like This is not a team that is built to compete. You know The offense is starting to take shape, but we're still talking about Mike uh, Fulton-Evich, Sean Newcomb, mm-hmm. Brandon McCarthy, who I love as a Twitter follower, <laughs> not at, or sort of follow, not as a uh, fantasy pitcher or a real life pitcher necessarily. And Kazmir and Scott Kazmir, I mean, like this is not a team that's going to win a lot of games and compete for the second wild card, especially with uh, other teams making moves like the Brewers and the Giants. Uh, I, I I I don't get it. I'm not buying in on Acuna.
0: Yeah, I've I've suggested that that uh, Atlanta or Philly could be this year's Milwaukee, but but that takes a lot. That takes a lot to happen because Milwaukee was ahead of schedule. So it would require a lot of things. First off, it would probably require one of McCarthy or Kazmier to do something legitimate and then go hard to take the spot of the other. Um, then you got to get Newcomb to do, to do well. You have to have Tehran not get blasted at home all the time. It, 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 the, the ifs pile up quickly. So when I say that, it's not like I'm projecting them to be like that. I, I, w- I think I would slot them forth right now. I'd go Washington, Mets, Philly, uh, Atlanta. Um, uh, there, there is the path at least you can take the steps and say, if, 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 but there's about 15 ifs. So I, I totally get what you're saying there. Um, I don't think I personally take him, uh, in with anywhere near this ADP. And I mentioned this with Hoskins, it's going to be even worse with Acuna. If he has a big spring. GG. I mean, it's a good game on that, man. He's going to be a top 100 pick easily. Look what happened to Greg Bird last year, and Greg Bird didn't have nearly the hype of an Acuna, and he ended up being in the top 100 after hitting, what was it, like nine spring training homers. If Acuna goes out, hits six, seven homers with with eight stolen bases, and and then there's talk all the way up until the very end that he could start with the team, and then, of course, they send him down at the last second, pull the rug out, I could see him going as pick 75, and that, of course, would be insane. It's just it had when you start taking a guy this high he has to do something for you mm-hmm. you don't have any wiggle room for the for the negative outcomes and i understand drafting upside but you can't just blindly do it with absolutely no regard for the ways it can go wrong so if you have the right team let's say you've just got and i I can't map out a team in my head to get us to this pick with a team of of steady vets but if you've got the uptons and the incinerations and you're just you're vetted up to the top uh your entire team is just solid vets that you feel like you can pretty much rely on. Obviously you can't predict anything perfectly, but if you do have a bunch of established guys and then you want to take them, I understand it, but I feel like that's not going to happen. The person that's going to take Acuna is the, the person that already has two or three other gambles as it is. You know, they've got Judge and Acuna and they're on Twitter talking about how, you know, they they just have two of the sexiest picks in the draft. And that just sounds like a twelfth pace finish.
1: Yeah you, you have to remember the range of outcomes on a guy like Acuna uh, even if he's up, is is a wide range of outcomes. But imagine having to spend, you know, what the one twenty three is like your eighth round, you know, eighth seventh, round, yeah. seventh eighth round pick on a guy that potentially might not be up until August or September. That'd like, be great, and, and yeah. having to hold that roster spot.
0: Well, because yeah, let's say you know if they have a devastatingly bad April. um, and they just say, "Well, okay, we're not this year's Milwaukee. We're nothing. We're going to play the string out with the guys that we got here, and and they hopefully get these young bucks some opportunities, like Albie's and uh, um, you know Swanson and, and Camargo. We're just going to leave these guys in. We're not going to bring up Acuna until after the All Star break. Like you said, though, you put that investment, and in, you can't really cut them either. So then, if you're an NFBC, which is what we're we're focused on here, that's kind of you know what we're mostly talking about. You can't you can't minor league him. There's no DL. You know, there's no you're just you're going to only be working with six reserves and to have a chance at the overall you have to have all your roster spots working for you you can take short-term dl guys um and short-term minor league guys but but once you start getting into the month plus of waiting on somebody you really got to make a decision to, to move on and i don't think i could pull the trigger if i spent that high of a pick on acuna so and i totally brutal, hear what they have
1: a brutal early schedule washington twice the cubs at colorado uh, Philadelphia twice, Cincinnati. Who's got a pretty decent offense? Like they, they don't have like necessarily any botter, botting, bottom feeding teams early on. So I mean, like that this is, is a team that could be five or six games under five hundred in their first month.
0: Yeah, that's brutal. All right, let's move on to a, a, another group here, and instead of reading out their actual ADPs, I'm just going to give the range. So starting with Eduardo Nunez, who's around round pick 129, going through pick 170, uh, we have Eduardo Nunez, Ian Happ. Adam Jones, Manny Margot, Trey Mancini, Adam Eaton, Nomar Mazzara, Kevin Kiermeyer, Jay Bruce, Gregory Polanco, and Adam Duvall. Uh, start with a couple negatives this time. Let's go negative. Let's be nasty. Who, okay. Uh, who, are, who are you not feeling in this group here?
1: Uh, Eduardo Nunez. Uh, until we know what, what role he's going to play, I don't know how you can take him this high.
0: Yeah, because he's not. I, you know, JD Martinez is going to sign. He's a guaranteed starter. There's no universe where he's being signed to be in a platoon or any sort of backup, anything like that. It's not impossible to picture Eduardo Nunez being picked picked up as a super platoon or super utility, which means he's playing four or five times a week as opposed to six, seven. Yeah. So I totally hear you on that.
1: I mean, yeah, he could easily, if he ends up back in Boston, you know, he becomes more of a role player and and a stopgap everywhere. Uh, that to me seems really, really risky.
0: Excuse me the only thing that no problem the only thing that helps him there is uh speed guys don't always need a, a, a mass of a playing time to to deliver but then you know it's just always so tough with those guys when you don't know when they're gonna play because do you want to take them out of the lineup you don't. you know i don't want to take them out and miss some steals you know oh i think he's only gonna play let's say he wouldn't necessarily be able to because i think he does hit righties pretty well, but if you're worried that he's only going to play three times in a week and you put in some other guy who you think is going to play the full week and Eduardo Nunez does only play three times but steals six bases, you're kicking yourself. And so I agree with you that until we know where he is, it's too scary. And if he's already going 129 what's it going to be when he lands somewhere? Uh, I think the price would only go up. So he is a tough one to to go for. I have a little bit of uh, reservation with him as well. Anybody else in this group that you're really running the other way from?
1: You know, this, like, pains me to say because I was one of the high guys on Nomar Mazara last year. But until he learns how to uh, hit lefties better, like, he's just not special.
0: You're not special. (laughs) I mean,
1: he's a guy who can, you know, he's going to have a, you know, mediocre batting average and hit 20, 25 home runs. Like, that, to me, like, give me the guys with higher upside in, in, in Polanco, um you know or my my boy bradley zimmer going what like 50 picks later right later
0: yeah you, you're not you're not wrong on the piece of he hasn't hit lefties yet and so that that has to be a concern he has a 259 average i i am in on mazara though i see two two seasons two full seasons of just below league average work for a 21 22 year old going into his age 23 season um and I just I love what he can do so much against righties that I feel like it only takes minor improvement against lefties to all of a sudden put up a nice season i I still really do believe in him, and I think we could see a thirty home or two seventy five average sort of season. It definitely takes a leap to do that, but he doesn't have to do that to justify a pick 155. Uh, so I do think there's at least some wiggle room. We're talking about this with some of these other guys that you don't have any range of outcomes when you're taking Hoskins and Acuna. I think you do have some wiggle room with Nomar Mazzara as a 10th, 11th round pick that you aren't necessarily locked into he needs to be this great or else. Your, your reservations are not unfounded but i am still betting on the upside he was an elite prospect mm-hmm. he does need to get better against lefties without a doubt but he doesn't need to become elite against them he just needs to more hold his own as opposed to get utterly demolished by them cuz you do need those counting categories you can't just have a um a righty you know a, a platoon strong platoon only guy that you're taking as a top 10 round pick you do need him to get in there against lefties get some counting stats and actually be passable for lefty v lefty which the bar is pretty low to be passable uh lefty v lefty but right now he's actually been well below that and it's a similar situation with somebody like a jake lamb uh that's what i would liken it to but we've seen jake lamb you know kind of push that 30 homer threshold despite being so so bad against lefties too so i do still like Mazzara. um again i don't think you're out of bounds with your reservations but i'm still with him
1: and i mean to like you know the plus for him is is amazing as that uh rangers lineup is and it's it's really nice and really kind of fun to look at. Like that bench and the depth they have outside of the starting, the, you know, their starting nine is atrocious. So, like, yeah, there's nobody to really platoon with him. Yeah, I mean, are they going to platoon jerks and profar with him? I mean, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Like Ryan Rua, I... are we really going to go back down that track?
0: <laughs> no, and Carlos Tachi is somebody that they picked up as via the rule of five, I believe. I remember he's a uh a one time prospect, but uh he's a rule of five guy, so he's kind of jumping up and kind of being forced onto the roster. I don't think he's gonna end up being Mazarus platoon. So that's a good point there that they should still have the leash to, to let him try to figure it out against lefties But it is a put up or shut up sort of year with Mazar If he doesn't show some advancement And actually be a plus bat 100 plus um, WRC Plus or better that just said plus like 52 times In that sentence but if he's not an above Average bat then I definitely start to Pull away even at age 23 You do have 1200 plate appearances You you need to take a step forward So I, I will agree that uh, it, It's time to do something but I am Still drafting him anybody else here that, that You're not too fond of or do you want to get into something the, some of the guys that you do like
1: it was schwerber on this list
0: schwerber and would be in the hill he'll headline okay. the next group
1: I'll, I'll i'll crap on him next then
0: yeah destroy him in in a little bit <laughs> uh, so who who do you like here
1: uh, gregory polanco did you see the pictures of him that came out today
0: no, please send them. Um, do I have to view them incognito? Am I going to be? Yeah, super- the, yeah. This is. I gonna, love Gregory Polanco.
1: Yeah, this is this is not safe for work kind of pictures. Oh
0: um, I I that I was already in before you said anything about. So he's getting getting fit, getting getting buff.
1: Oh, I mean, yeah, dude looks absolutely jacked. Uh, went back uh, home uh, and went back to his old kind of. Uh, um, God, I, I, I don't want to say this because it's going to sound bad, like third world training regimes. Like, and I mean, there's a picture of him working out. Like uh, the Cespedes
0: video? Yeah. Like throwing, the, throwing the tire and everything?
1: Yeah, yeah. Playing, you know, th- throwing like heavy ropes and things like that. And um, I mean, he looks absolutely jacked. So like... Uh, uh, that's
0: only that's only going to make it worse for me trying to draft. Because like, I know the shoulder's a concern. It's been something that's happened multiple times. Um, but... The, I think the discount is severe enough that I, I'm not going anywhere. And and now you're telling me that there's even more reason to be excited. I'm just I'm going to take Gregory Polanco in so many leagues, it's going to happen.
1: Yeah, I, I just think the upside is uh, so insane right now. He's a hundred
0: um, picks cheaper than he was last year. A hundred picks.
1: Yeah, I, I'm going to tag you on the picture on uh, on Twitter. Uh, okay. I mean it's uh, I mean he looks absolutely uh jacked looks like he's i mean i i know a lot of people are like oh best shape of your life never believe it sometimes that means something especially wait yeah when...
0: i don't agree with never believing that by the way mm-hmm.
1: you know especially when we have photographic evidence that he is uh in, in amazing shape and a guy who's been injured and really needs to strengthen that shoulder muscle for him to be getting in shape and being young and mature Uh, about a workout regime this is not like a pablo sandoval kind of guy who is you know going back to venezuela and eating himself out of the league so like i i want to see this from a guy like that and you know if you believe in the skill sets we've seen over the course of his short major league career this is a reason to buy back in that he can get back to what we've seen before
0: and again, the discounts there. We're oh, talking about huge. some of these other guys where you're not getting the discount commensurate with what they did last year, like an Ian Desmond. Here, you're getting a 100 pick discount. And yeah, it was a tough season last year, but that's built into the price, so you don't then you you, you, you don't get the discount and then tag him for it and say well he, he was bad last year no we know that that's why he's 100 picks cheaper that's already built into the price and even his high end at a buck 35 only puts him in that range with uh, at the top of this range with Eduardo Nunez and Ian Happ so I'm all in on Polanco and I hope we're not in too many leagues together because uh, then we're gonna be fighting for him and it's gonna be a, ch- a race of chicken to see who takes him first
1: <laughs> towers uh, head-to-head may be uh, a little bit interesting this year
0: absolutely I also like uh, Kevin Kiermeyer. I'm still yeah. going to keep betting here. I know that that he keeps getting hurt going back to another center fielder that goes all out and, and puts himself in harm's way. I get it. That's his style, and it's not necessarily – going to change, but that doesn't mean he's always going to get hurt. He played 151 games just two years ago, but then a bucko five in 98 the last two years. But even in 98 last year, he went 15-16 uh, with the homers and steals. So I still think there's a 20-plus, 20 20-plus 20 season here in terms of homers and steals with a decent average. He has actually started to uh, show improvements with his bat, even though it's been in smaller samples. And he didn't embarrass himself against lefties last year. I know a 682 is not going to jump off the, the page to you as, a, as an OPS, but that's what i'm talking about how lefty lefty you don't need to be elite to kind of hold your own 682 is fine and that that can justify the rays giving him 158 plate appearances there and you get those extra four homers six steals 20, uh, 20, 20 ribbies and 20 runs and of course that would go higher if he had played a full season too so i don't think that they have to platoon him when he's holding his own against lefties and he continues to get better and better against right he's 851 last year in uh, 263 plate appearances i still really like kiermeyer i i think i'm liking a lot of guys in this in this mm-hmm. tier here because i'm also a manny margot fan um i am Monitoring his costs, though, if he starts to get too much hype and, and boosts his way up closer to that min pick of ninety-seven, I think I'll peel back. But right now, in the one hundred and thirty to one hundred and seventy range, which is where he's kind of been going, I'm in on Margot. I don't even necessarily need power growth um, to 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 be that hyped on him. Although I do think it's possible. He had thirteen homers last year. I really think the speed and the guaranteed playing time element is what I like about Margot. How do you feel about the youngster out in San Diego?
1: I really like him, and I, I put up a poll uh, over the weekend when I was doing my radio show because I got into a discussion whether we should be taking a guy like Margot over Acuna, um, and Acuna got 56% of the vote. Like, oh, just That's back insane. back to that. I, I took Margot in the eighth round of my 15 team NFBC draft recently at pick 106. So at the beginning of the eighth round.
0: So you really I, like him.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's got power. He's got speed. He's going to be leading off. There is no reason whatsoever for San Diego to not play him 160 games next year. So Absolutely. as long as he's healthy, he's going to rack up a ton of runs. Uh, uh, enough power to you know at least be league average, and the speed could just be insane because it's a team that's gonna need to manufacture offense. They're gonna push it on the base paths, and in a, in a uh, in an era where we're dying for speed in fantasy baseball, Margot comes at a really really affordable rate. I love Manny Margot this year. Yeah,
0: all, 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 so much of the speed these days is is spread out. Uh, I think Ron Chandler was um, somebody who was talking either on Twitter or in an article about how uh, actual stolen bases aren't necessarily down in recent years. It's it's that they're more spread out. You're not getting as many 30-speed guy, 30-steel guys. Margot could be one of those 30-steel guys, and that's why we like him so much. So I'm big, I'm big in on him too. I'm going to ask you about another one before we move on. Um, what do you think about Trey Mancini? He had a good rookie year, but uh, a little bit of a non-prospect kind of blowing up there with a solid batting average and power. Are you in on Trey Mancini out in Baltimore at all?
1: No, I'm really not. I just, one, like, I like they obviously don't care about outfield defense at all because the fact that they <laughs> yeah. they just continue to put him out there. It, it... They seem
0: to think that a center fielder can just cure everything because they have Adam Jones, who is a quality defender ranging from, uh, you know, solid to well above average, and they're just like, he can cover the other two guys, can he? Let's just put Trumbo and Mancini out there. Who cares?
1: <laughs> yeah, they're just like, it's a small yard. Who cares? Eh, we we'll yeah, like, you know, We just want him to hit dingers, and and, and that's fine. And he can. And um, you know, I, I don't know. It just, I don't believe that he is. Uh, oh, I, got, I don't even. I. It just to me, it's it's not a sexy profile. I do worry that the defense at some point gets him in trouble, and there's you know he'll be it'll be hard for him to uh, to to get. 600 plate appearances and he he didn't last year. Um I I don't know what the Orioles are doing. I I, th- I feel like it I keeps saying either. about this about every team. Like it feels like there's like, you know, maybe 10 teams that really really are trying to win. There's a and there's 10 teams that are really really trying to punt and then there's like the Orioles and the Rangers have no idea what they're doing.
0: Well, and they're stuck too, especially I think the Orioles specifically, because they can't really tear it down. What are you really going to sell? They could have traded Machado, sure, but how much else can you really sell? Trade, you could trade, trade scope. Machado,
1: yeah, trade uh, scope, trade Gosman, trade. You trade
0: Bundy, Gosman. Yeah, you just... try to flip Beckham after the one month. I mean, I guess they could do like just a full teardown because they have no system, and they had a. Big leg cut out from under them with Britain gone. Because part of the reason that you can have such a garbage rotation outside of Bundy and Gossman is that you've got um at their peak when 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 he was when Britain was healthy, you had four mm-hmm. you know uh, elite Brock, to, very Gibbons. good to elite. Yeah, with with uh, Brad Brock, Darren O'Day, Michael Gibbons, and Zach Britton. That's four guys that that would be number ones in in most bullpen or in a lot of bullpens they'd be number ones or number twos. They're that good. And you had all four of them. But now you have the big leg cut out with your with your premier lefty. The the rotation, my God, Gabriel Anoa, Mike Wright and Miguel Castro are the three, four, five according to uh, Roster Resource right now. If Who I the did, hell are those guys?
1: If I told you that the Orioles were going to have a rotation with an average age of twenty five years old, usually you'd be excited by that. Like-
0: <laughs> yes, but it's twenty five year olds that I don't know outside of Bundy and Gossman. I'm like who the hell are these guys like
1: Castro was a prospect at one point, but like, yeah, I'm pretty sure, uh, you know, but he kind of got forgotten. Was he a relief
0: him. prospect though too?
1: He was. And like, he's only had like five strikeouts per nine for the most part yes. of his career. It's like, Gabriel he's not a Noah, nothing. Yeah, no, I mean like this is, this is a really, really bad situation. And, Like I know the ownership doesn't want to trade Machado, which seems seems completely insane, so maybe there's a chance they keep this team together, but I think there's also a chance they just sell everything for parts that they can get off the roster, which would leave Trey Mancini either being shipped off somewhere or stuck with Chris Davis and Mark Trumbo and nothing else.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I... I wanted to ask you about him because I don't have a great feel and I, I just don't see myself really taking him. You look and there's 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 something to like. It was a really good rookie season and he had uh, a lot of good batting average coming up too. So in a, in a good park, I, I don't think that 293 is necessarily a fluke. But uh, even accounting for that, you know, 25 homers isn't really hard to find. I'm just not taking him here, especially when we're gushing over so many other guys in this tier. Uh, all right, let's jump down to another tier here. I'll let you get get in on Kyle Schwarber. We'll start negative again, so you can start with that. Uh, uh, going from pick 180 to uh, 180 until uh, pick 230. So it's another big another big group here, but we're only going to cover a handful each. Schwarber, Conforto, Brett Gardner, Eric Thames, Stephen Souza Jr., Avisail Garcia, your boy Bradley Zimmer, Odubel Herrera, Mitch Hanniger, Corey Dickerson, Delano DeShields, uh, Michael Taylor, and Chris Owings. What do you think about this group? Let's start negative. I know you want to talk Schwarber. Go ahead.
1: I don't think there's a ton to hate in this one. Yeah, like I said, Schwarber has never been a guy that I've really enjoyed. One, I think he I'm is, he's a platoon guy, and I know the Cubs have, have let him uh, kind of hit against both sides, but I, I don't think that, you know, they have too many moving parts for them to continue to allow him to, uh, to struggle, uh, against opposite sided pitching and then, uh, um, uh, and then his defense is just so atrocious. It is so, so bad. bad. It's like, like, and don't get me wrong. I'm a big guy. Like I, I know, like you and Eno were like really like the skinny parts of the podcast. I'm a, I'm a sturdy, <laughs> big guy. We um, added
0: some size. Yeah our, line, yeah, our line just got better when we when you became on as producer. We started to get an offensive line together.
1: Yeah, I, I'm definitely built like a, a an offensive guard. Um But, like, I feel like I could cover more ground in left field than Kyle Schwarber. (laughs) Uh, It's just really atrocious. And so, like, there's no way he ever gets to 500 plate appearances because they're going to take him out as a defense replacement all the time. You know, that's
0: a great key, by the way. He's going to lose an at bat, like, almost every game late in the game. Yeah. If the game's
1: close, they've got to take him out.
0: I, I agree. Let me ask you this though, because we will get a comment otherwise. We just gushed over the nice pictures from from Gregory Polanco. What about the fact that that Schwarber himself has really slimmed down? Uh, do you put any weight into that? The uh, uh, weight, uh, no pun intended, with the weight piece. <laughs> uh,
1: no, I I don't. I you know. I that to me is more like the Pablo Sandoval situation where he comes into camp really, really great. And then over the course of the season, you, you, you realize that one, he's not a, a super athletic guy physically. Um, and that he isn't, uh, just, he isn't like a physically great athlete. I mean, he's not a Gregory Polanco, uh, guy who's going to be athletic. Uh, again, I worry about the fact that he, he's going to struggle from a platoon standpoint. And if, if if this was on a different team, if we were talking about him in a place like Baltimore, I might get on board. But a place like uh, Chicago that has so many parts that need to find at bats, and a manager like Madden who uh, is like the Bill Belichick of uh, of fantasy uh, fantasy baseball from a manager oh, standpoint, um, like I, I just don't like. I really feel like last year the 486 plate appearances will be a career high for at least the next three or four years.
0: No, I, I think all that's fair, and I've always felt that that he was wildly overrated from the jump, even when he had the catcher eligibility. Uh, Schwarber was always somebody that people were already betting on the. Um, and and you know, he's different than Acuna. I'm not saying it's the same, but it it's in that realm of that. This is what can happen when you take a guy who you. And, and by the way. He was being drafted that high. Schwarber was with MLB experience. He'd actually come up and done something in the majors, and he was being he was being a sky high pick. And then I know he got hurt on 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 the outfield thing. But even before that, I mean, even last year we saw like he's so wildly overrated. He's not a bad hitter. Um, he's got great power, but that's not hard to find these days. And I've just always found him so 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 overrated that even with the pick coming down here to a more reasonable level at 181. I'm just—it's just not somebody I'm going to be chasing. And and again, I, I I keep repeating this refrain, but I I think he's another one of those guys that. You see a good spring training, and people are going to be looking for reasons to take him, and they're going to boost him way up. So He's never I think gonna I have catch him. again either. Like he just exactly. exactly that that's done. If anyone ever justifies their pick of Schwarber by saying, "Well, you know, he could give behind – no, 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 stop. I'm going to let me stop you right there. He's not getting behind the dish. It's not going to happen.
1: He had one uh, plate appearance at, at his catcher last year. One plate appearance, not not a game, just a plate appearance.
0: A plate appearance, just one. So yeah, I. Uh, I, I think I have one share, and I think I got him in, in like pick 220, so 40 picks later than he's currently going on average. Sure. But I'm just not really going to be seeking him out uh, because, again, there's plenty of guys in this tier that I do like. So uh, let's let's go to a couple guys that you do like, and then I'll probably ask you some questions about some others. I'll let you start with Zimmer, and then we can go on to others that you might be uh, fancying a little bit. So All what do you think right. about Bradley Zimmer? All right. like
1: right. I'll have to preface this by the fact that um, – I've been on Zimmer for a long time. He played his college ball uh, just down the road Batman. for me. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I got to watch him prior to him getting drafted, and so I've always been a huge fan. But I, I look at this kid as, one, he is a fantastic defensive player, and I know we don't get defensive stats in fantasy, but to me that really means something because I think no matter how much he struggles, and there will be struggles, he's going to be a streaky guy. Um, they're going to continue to run him out there and let him work through it because that that center field defense is so good. And when you have guys like Chisinau and Brantley manning the corners, you need that guy who can cover a lot of ground in and center. And, mm-hmm. and Zimmer's the only guy who can do that. Now, like the average isn't going to be great, and so like he works better into like my punting batting average uh, strategy that I've mentioned uh, already. Uh, but I mean, this guy legitimately has like a fifteen thirty-five upside in terms of power speed, and That'd like be so
0: nice at pick two hundred. I mean, he Are played three hundred.
1: He had three hundred thirty-three plate appearances or three hundred thirty-two plate appearances last year. Eight home runs, eighteen stolen bases. I mean, there is legitimate power speed threat here, and. Um, and he can just, you know, if he wants to not sell out for power, he can be more of a, you know, a gap to gap kidder and kind of keep the average a little bit more at bay. But I mean, there is real power speed potential here and you're getting him so late to, he's going to be on all my teams.
0: Well, and keep in mind, we got, what you say, eight, eighteen. That was with him pissing away a month and a half. Like, he yeah. really sucked down the stretch before he got hurt. His August was a total dud after a really, really strong start. If you just kind of look at it by half, um, he had a 790 OPS, 285 average, five, home, five homers, nine stolen bases. And then in the second half, he hit 196 with a 593 OPS, three homers, nine steals. So at least the speed was still there. You know, I know he's not going to be the first half, All the way through but I also think that that second Half really represents the downside I'm not sure That we should plan for another Month of 141 215 155 the way his August was Like that's as bad as it can get And he had an entire month of that performance So I'm with you on Zimmer I really like him And I've always propped up guys that Have the defensive piece in lock Because they're guaranteed playing time and I think that's Even more so on this Cleveland team Because they are so outfield deficient Especially on the defensive end That even if he's batting 8-9 um, he's going to just be in the lineup every single day, grinding out those at-bats and, and learning on the job how to be a better hitter and be more consistent. So I'm totally with you on Bradley Zimmer. Uh, anybody else in this grouping that you're a big fan of?
1: Delano DeShields, same kind yes. of reason, finally going to get a full kind of slate of plate appearances. Uh, you know, as long as Texas doesn't go out and, like, re-sign Carlos Gomez or something, don't buy into, oh, he's going to platoon with jerks and pro far. I mean, no. Profar, I mean, if if you've watched him play since he's been injured, he can't throw. How is he going to play center field? Center I just, field, exactly. There's no way this happens. I mean, here, you know, he's not going to have the power that I think Zimmer can have. But one, I think he'll have a better batting average, and I think the steals could be right there. Like this is legit, legitimate forty stolen base upside. You know, and I think the the floor is actually really, really safe around like. 27-28 stolen bases which is amazing considering this day and age and it's a great lineup in, in uh in texas
0: yeah we're in lockstep here on, on a lot of these guys in the in the mid tiers uh, i really do like the shields as well uh, let me ask you on a, on a few guys here that i'm kind of intrigued by uh on, on the positive or negative end abisail garcia had the big had the big burst last year in terms of the batting average and i can't get on board personally how do you feel about abisail garcia at pick 200
1: uh, I, I mean, I know he made some changes, but we're talking about a guy who, even if he can uh, hold on to the batting average gains, and I just don't, I don't buy he can hit 300 again, much less 330. Then we're talking about a guy who's like an empty batting average that isn't really interesting. I, I, uh, yeah, no, and that line 392
0: lineup... Babbitt. Like, yeah, that's just, again, I you guys know I'm first and foremost to not just use BABIP as as a mic dropper on the luck end of positive or negative. But 392, for a guy who does not have good speed, is insane. Even a guy like Trey Turner, if he put up a 392, who does have elite speed, I would be like, that's coming down. Let alone somebody like Abisayo Garcia, who I just, I, I can't see it. And it's not like he had some big 27% line drive rate either. He had a 20%, which is a think maybe even a tick below league average which probably means without looking it up and I I will look it up as we're talking here which probably means he had to hit a a super high batting average on ground balls and again that's when you start talking about using BABIP and saying okay he was lucky because if you're hitting like 320 on uh, uh on on ground balls that's not that's not going to hold. Hang on, I've got it right here. On ground balls last year, he hit three seventy. Okay, oh, get yeah, out of here. Yeah, no, that's, not... There's no universe where that's happening again. I think league average. I want to say it's like two fifty. I believe uh, in terms of on ground balls, what what you're expected to hit. Uh, so there's no chance there's absolutely no chance that that uh Avisail garcia can hit 3 uh, 330 again because that ground ball did so much work for him and then like you mentioned it's it's you know 18 homers 246 by the way was the uh, the babbip on ground balls last year i i can't i even pick 200 which i know is not a major investment so he's not killing you if you take him and he regresses but at that point why wouldn't you just take a zimmer or, um, or a DeShields like we're talking about, or even like a Corey Dickerson who does something different. He's not a batting average guy, but he's a hell of a lot more pop. And I actually do kind of like Corey Dickerson. I thought that uh, talking about best shape of your life sort of stuff, he was one of those guys last year, and it came to fruition. He really did look a lot different uh, in terms of his health and, and the way he, he plays athleticism, and he hit 282 with 27 homers. Why is he going after Avisail Garcia?
1: Because people are thinking he's going to regress back to the batting average woes of 2016. But, I mean, you and Jason, I think it was last year in the preseason, had an amazing conversation with Mike Petriella. Um, go go back and find that podcast. I, I don't know what number it is, um, but go, go look it up. Uh, and talking about guys leaving Colorado and having to really – you know, relearn. Uh, you know, pitch Have recognition, an and here. yeah, I mean, yeah. because the ball travels differently, and there was an adjustment year last, or in 2016, and then 2017 hit the ground running. They're finding ways to make sure he's in the lineup, whether it's DHing or playing the outfield. Um, you know, I think a lot of the big concerns coming into last year was, well, where is he going to play? You know they. they, they yeah design. he had a
0: really sour outlook they, mm-hmm. the people were not high on him after a 245 24 homer season then he goes up and puts 28227 he had a 338 BABIP. I'm gonna be consistent and point out that he did also have a high BABIP. Corey Dickerson did so bring that back down but I'm not I'm not regressing it all the way down to the 285 of the year before this guy is a, a is a quality hitter I think he's a 275 30 sort of type mm-hmm. and uh, I really do like him in this in this tier he can't hurt you as a pick 215 and I'd much rather have him than uh, over Avicael Garcia.
1: Plus he has a really fantastic nickname. C Dick. Yeah.
0: It's just a great name. I mean mm-hmm. come on. Credit, credit uh,
1: Sammy Reed and Yancey Eaton. E-
0: exactly. Uh, but C Dick, C. Dick run there. Michael Taylor out in Washington, had the big playoff. I thought maybe he would get boosted a little bit. I feel like there's always a a couple playoff guys that that have their ADPs really sore because they did something nice in the playoffs. Thankfully, he hasn't. I don't think 226 is out of bounds. I will say, though, his min pick is 135. So I think he's going to be more consistently in the top 200 picks. So if you want to bump this up by 26 picks and get your frame of mind as pick 200 right around obviously Garcia, I think that's probably um, smarter. If you want to plan, don't don't be planning for 226 and thinking that you're going to definitely get that. But but do you like him in the 180 to 200 pick at all Michael A Taylor out in uh, Washington?
1: I worry that there is going to be a little bit of regression. He has power. He has speed like those are legitimate skills. That he has. I don't think he is like a true 270, 260 batting average type guy. I think he's more of like a 240 guy, and I think the Nationals are in a position right now where they need to win this year. Bryce Harper is going to be gone. They want a championship before he leaves. And if there's any struggles whatsoever with Michael, Michael Taylor, Robles will be up and replacing him in center field. And so for me, I just worry that there is no chance we're going to see 500 plate appearances unless someone gets hurt.
0: Yeah, or even, you know, it doesn't even have to be Robles. If Robles himself kind of takes a little while to get going or something, if if Taylor really flops, they shift Eaton back to center and then put Howie Kendrick out and left or Brian Goodwin out and left. Like there are options, or even Matt Adams' worst-case scenario. If it it got really bad with Taylor, obviously that would be a big defensive decline to shift Eaton from left to center, Taylor out, and then Adams in. But there are three options there that they could put in left and Eaton back to center if Taylor flops. I do like Taylor. I agree with you that the power speed are legit. Um, you know he is similar to Souza, who's also in this grouping where you can look at the power and the speed and then get a bad batting average. I would be careful on the high end of stuff though, where he can be in the pick one thirty five to one fifty range with Taylor. I wouldn't go that high if, if, if he if he really exceeds this ADP, then I definitely have to back off with Taylor. Uh, anybody else in this grouping that you wanted to hit on?
1: Do we talk about Aaron Hicks? I mean, oh,
0: absolutely. Like um, I, I know
1: you've talked about him a lot, but like I feel like he is getting just forgotten about. I mean, that lineup around him is going to be just so money in terms of run support. Uh, I know there are fears that he could get platooned, but I don't necessarily... I don't know. I mean, I think even if he does you know, lose some plate appearances. The power speed combo that he showed last year in just 88 games played, plus the really good defense, I think could get him out there um e- even when he, when he's, you know, uh, struggling. Uh I I just think there's so much upside here. I mean, I think people forget that Aaron Hicks at one point was one of the top prospects in baseball.
0: Mhm. Exactly. Uh, Big-time prospect.
1: Like I mean, he was like he was Byron Buxton before Byron Buxton you know, ever came around. I mean, this was a guy that was drafted fourteenth overall, was looked at as like the savior of the twins organization from a franchise perspective. And you mention it all the time. Prospect growth isn't linear. This is a guy who's just breaking out late. I buy it. Um and I think he I mean it's insane. His low pick, three oh eight.
0: <laughs> if you guys are in the draft and you let me get him at three first off he wouldn't get there. I would never yeah, let no. him wait that long. But even his min pick, one ninety one Yes, I'm taking that all day. That's just a few spots up. I mean, it's 235 right now. 191, yeah, I'll take that. That's that's right around uh, Steven Susan Jr. and Abisayo Garcia, the aforementioned. So I'd definitely take that. I love Aaron Hicks. I have for years. Um, I was super in on him last year, and he was having the breakout, and then injury struck. Injury is a concern for sure mm-hmm. uh, for the 28-year-old, but I'm going to bet on the skills. And here, you know, it, it's one thing when you're taking an injured guy uh, or an injury concern in the top 80 picks or so, but when you're all the way out here in the 200s, it gets even easier to take that gamble on the skills when injury is your only real concern. And I think that's all we have to worry about with Hicks. And I say all as if it's it, – it, I'm not trying to minimize it. It is a thing. You have to worry about the health and, and the fact that he might not play more than, say, 130 games. But even 130 games at pick 230 from Aaron Hicks, give me that all day. So I'm, I'm 100% with you on him. Uh, let's, let's make one more group here, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, starting from pick 240-ish to about pick – 290 oh we'll just we'll call it 300 this is a big group so you want, might want to mentally tick off some guys that you like uh starting with david Dahl, mark trumbo mike brant michael brantley mike brantley he and i are friends i call him mike yo mikey b uh david peralta willie calhoun i call him will dexter fowler shinsu chu aaron altair nick williams josh reddick max kepler scott shebler jose martinez jackie bradley jr Stephen piscotti Carlos Gonzalez, Cole Calhoun, Hunter Renfro, Keon Broxton, and then that's it. I named four hundred guys. Who do you like there?
1: Oh man, there's so many guys to like. Um uh Willie Calhoun. I mean Love Willie Calhoun. You know, and if you play in a league like uh like Tout Wars that for some reason gives eligibility based on uh games played in the minors in the previous season, uh he's second base eligible. In Towers, I next didn't even year? know that. Yeah. I didn't even
0: know that they were giving him second base there. Yeah, because so, he hasn't played. If they don't play more than 20 games, don't mm-hmm. they revert to the minor leagues? And he only yeah. played 11 games last year in the majors.
1: Uh, I mean, this is like, again, this guy is built like me. Like, he is not like a physical specimen. Uh, he's and, fire and, Yeah, and he's like, uh, he, he's going to be really rough defensively, but the Rangers don't care, and they're they're just going to run him out there. Yeah. Uh, Like, I think he should be going maybe two tiers ahead of this, but he's not getting the credit because his major league stint was so, uh, so limited. But I mean, this is a guy that he's not going to steal bases, but like a legit 30 home run uh, 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 chance next year with a pretty decent batting average.
0: Um, bingo the batting average piece is what i think is lost is because yeah 30 homers you might even be able to find that in this range with some other guys like a hunter renfro or whatever but you got to feel pretty solid that the batting average is going to be bad with hunter renfro right now barring some changes calhoun hit 286 in the minors with the power i really love calhoun i'm 100 percent with you on that
1: elite plate skills i mean I mean outside of just a brief uh 82 plate appearance uh stretch in in high A for the Dodgers he had strikeout rates all less than 12% through the minor league. I mean this is a guy who is going to make it's it's a profile like you're never going to really see again and we really haven't seen it's you know doesn't walk high contact percentage with power. Uh it's 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 really interesting and I think long term he's going to be a DH. So in your dynasty and Keeper Leagues, if that scares you, then you know know that maybe in future seasons at some point he's going to be UT only. But in redrafts or short-term Keeper Leagues, uh, this is a guy that's not getting enough publicity for what he can do. Um, I think he is a front runner for me for Rookie of the Year in the American League.
0: Love it. Couldn't agree with it more. As, as far as Willie Calhoun goes, I'm 100% in. Already have a couple shares. Definitely plan to get more. Um couple guys I like here, David Peralta, it's hard to get batting average late. I think he's a good batting Mm -hmm. average source, doesn't have great power. But uh, I'm going to go back to this name one more time, Avisal Garcia. What's the difference between those two uh, besides 50 picks? So give me the guy that's 50 picks cheaper. Exactly way better team that, that's around him and a, and a more firm track record of doing the the upper teens uh, Big batting average sort of profile. So I really do like freight train. That's his nickname um, Let's see here. Dexter Fowler is always a solid guy You know his OBP doesn't necessarily matter in terms of that that actual figure itself in a, in a standard five by five But it means he's getting on base and he's going to be scoring St. Louis is a solid team I'm not sure that they're you know an elite team, but I think they're perfectly solid They added Marcelo Zuna they could They might not be done in the market as well. Um, So I really do like him and Jose Martinez as well. Uh, same sort of deal where you know got a really good bat that that, that i think is going to play well there and he's really cheap i know that mike petriello over at Statcast highlighted that we could see some really big things out of jose martinez the cost is so cheap that uh it, it's really worth taking a gamble on him uh jose martinez for sure playing time could be a little bit tough right off the bat if they do start jerko uh but matt carpenter's shoulder is no guarantee and i don't th- i don't think jerko's a guarantee i think i think carpenter can go back over to third if Car- if he's healthy and then Martinez plays first um, and, and he'll have outfield eligibility with it. Piscotti I'm intrigued by. I really hope, you know, I know he's head off the field issues with you know dealing with his mom's sickness and that comes first and foremost i understand that these guys are these guys are humans um you know he's going out there doing his job the best he can i think getting closer to home will help and we we used to gush over the bat here on on the show with eno and uh, like i said i hope going back out to the bay area certainly helps him uh you know keep his focus on the field but but again it's understandable why he would lose focus when he's worrying about his mom back home and maybe being closer will kind of help him say hey for 4 hours a night I'm going to be laser focused on the field then I can get home take care of my mom and 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 you know get get things in, in line with that so I really do still like Piscotti being super cheap and even though I did kind of dog him out Hunter Renfro in terms of going to have a bad batting average I do like the pop late. Uh, you pick 300 you're getting some really nice pop potential that dude can hit it out I think you hit the top of the western metal supply company building mm-hmm. um, I mean, he's just a total monster his power plays anywhere. So I do like that cheap power We talk about getting power late. I think sometimes um, I think sometimes it gets a little bit overrated in terms of because 20 homers isn't really that much This guy could go 35 in a full season. It might be 35 with a 240 average uh, And 35 is a high end by the way. I'm not saying that's his projection, but Give me thirty five two forty at pick three hundred all day long. So I do like Renfro. Who are some of the other guys uh, that you like here too?
1: Uh, in that same kind of Renfro vein Scott Shebler. Uh, yeah, Scotty you know, what I mean, he hit thirty home runs last year and in, in five hundred thirty one play appearances. I know there are people who are like, oh, well, he could get platooned. Uh, you know, look at Philip Irvin and you know, some of the other young guys that they've got coming up on the Red in the Reds outfield. philip Irvin is is not good. Like I like this is like old prospect pedigree that people you know and that for, for that matter Winker you know not good like these are like there are reasons why it's taken these guys so long to get to the major league level is because they haven't been good and now they're running out of options so like the Reds are rebuilding they're like yeah hey, we might as well give these guys a shot Shebler is you know at worst has the strong side of the platoon. Uh, hit 30 home runs last year. The average sucks, but what do you expect at around pick 300?
0: Exactly, uh, you're going to have some flaws.
1: Yeah, uh, I do worry if, if St. Louis signs someone, um, you know, whether a Mike Mustakis or a Hosmer, that pretty much ends Jose Martinez' uh, relevancy. I hope they don't, because I'd love to see Matt Carpenter pick third base eligibility back up.
0: Yes, that would be really nice. Um, that would uh, th- be a double, you know, a double benefit there if he gets third base back and then Martinez assumes first base. I'd be then interested in both because if Carpenter does go back to third, that means the shoulder – would be showing a level of of certainty for them that they feel comfortable moving him back there. Because I do like Carpenter, but I'm worried about that shoulder. Colette has dealt with the same thing. And of course he's not a ball player, so it, it doesn't have the same sort of treatment. But if 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 it plagues, you know, someone like Colette who isn't an athlete, imagine what it does for somebody who's trying to be out there playing playing sports on, on on an everyday basis. So I do have some concerns with Carpenter. But if we see some health from him and they do shift him over to third and it opens the door for Martinez, that is nice. But you're right. If they sign Moose that means Carpenter back to first and Martinez to the bench as a uh, as a fill in sort of guy and it really curbs his value. That said though, even at pick 282, even if that happens, it's not it's not like you can't still take him and throw him on your bench. It just really curbs the upside.
1: Yeah, uh other guys that I like, I mean, I I know he's he's getting old and I don't know why they keep playing him in the outfield other than they don't really have a lot of options. But uh, Shinsu Chu put up a really nice season last year. He and, did. In a lot of long-term fan. leagues, like he gets a huge boost. He went twenty two uh homers, twelve steel, stolen bases, two sixty one, three fifty seven, four thirty two. Um, I think he I think like we mention all the time, uh fantasy industry is ageist, and I think because he's, he's thirty five, going to be thirty six halfway through the season, he gets discounted but even if he doesn't play a full year i still think uh you know 20 home runs and uh double digit steals are are, are ceiling for him and at this late uh he has a pretty safe floor i feel
0: i no i agree i lo- i love chu i always have you know he had his down seasons have still been basically league average except yeah. for the 48 48- game washout in, in in 2016 which you can basically just you know, wipe out that whole thing it, it, it was an injury season that was lost he bounced back nicely last year I do think he has the plate skills to hold even in his mid-30s so I like Chu as well as a nice uh stabilizer there when you're taking reserves or or utility type guys and then uh, we didn't dive into this tier but then you got your Victor Robles's your your Lewis Brinson's I loved Teoscar until they started getting every outfielder under the sun they they, they signed Granderson they brought over Gritchuk. That does that does put a damper on Tasker. I could still see him as a uh, my sixth or seventh reserve pick in a NFBC league. But my hype has definitely mm-hmm. died down as it stands right now because he's going to take it's going to take multiple things for, to get him in the lineup for consistent playing time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there then there's other guys. We're not going to get into all of them, um, th- these super deep guys like an Austin Hayes or whatnot. But uh, I will uh, ask you on Lewis Brinson. Now that he's going over to Miami, I looks not think he's going to get some some playing time. He'll probably move up on this 321 ADP, but I can't imagine it goes much higher than, say, 282.70, right? What what do you think of Brinson in Miami?
1: Man, this one's really hard because I love the move from a playing time perspective, uh Brinson, to me, you know, he was going to be blocked, uh, and you really was gaining nothing by keep getting sent down to AAA, but the, the Brewers just kept blocking him with other guys, so like, he has the ability to be the face of this franchise. Uh, I don't, I, I know like roster resources penciling him in to start in the major leagues, but he actually does have things he can work on in, in improving contact uh, down at the minor league level that he wasn't able to do in Colorado Springs because it's such a launching pad, so I would be really, really surprised to see him start the year in the majors. Yeah, being I think that's said, fair. I love the price;
0: it's it's so cheap. I'm not really taking. I'm I'm really trying to avoid Miami as a whole, but he's so cheap that if it is a you know couple weeks, or if or if we are seeing that he's tracking to break camp, if they say you know he is going to be in the in the opening day lineup from day one, and they don't trade Real Muto or Bo or Castro, because if they if they leave it as is. It's it's not the end of the world. It's not good. I'm not going to sit here and try to uh, you know pull the wool over y'all's eyes and be like that's actually a pretty good lineup. No, it, it, it's dog shit. And the third of the lineup is pure trash right now as it's penciled in with Dietrich, Brian Anderson, and JT Riddle. Like that's that's a nothing trio there. So he's not going to score any runs if, if it goes if the lineup goes as it is right now and Brinson bats fifth with those three guys behind him, he's going to score four runs even if he bats <laughs> 700 times this year.
1: They have Martin but... Prado playing left field. This is just going to be. Playing left
0: field, batting second. Sweet, <laughs> sweet, oh. sweet, sweet. But, but uh, like- yeah, Real Muto and, and Brinson are the two I would even consider. Real Muto would need to come down in ADP just because I know he's catcher, but that team sucks so bad. But Brinson at this cost, I think you can take a look at I did draft him in in the uh, Arizona Fall League uh, NFBC draft and hold, but that was when he was on Milwaukee. Um, I'm not mad. I, I paid pick 255, which you know I, I would have gotten him cheaper now. Uh, or I, I I that's probably about about what I would pay now. I was assuming that they would move like a Domingo Santana, and maybe open up room for him. As it stands, he is going to get the playing time, just not the the avenue that I thought.
1: I think dynasty leagues right now there there's a chance to buy right now. I think people are really upset about the park move. Don't yeah. worry about it, dude. Has re- real power. I mean, this is not a guy who is just going to be hitting uh, fence scrapers and the power speed combo like. Like, this is a top five prospect in the fantasy game. Like, legitimate. And people aren't, are, you know, are kind of maybe there's, there's a prospect fatigue or because he had stretches in the major leagues where he struggled a little bit are kind of starting to bump him down. This is legitimately a top five prospect in the game. Uh, plus Miami,
0: right? So it's prospect mm-hmm. fatigue plus going to Miami. So you're saying don't run away completely from Brinson.
1: No, no. I, I would try. Be, I'd be trying to buy low if someone okay. is feeling burnt because he just moved to a worse park. Okay,
0: game. okay. I dig it. I dig it. Um, okay. I think that's gonna wrap it up. We gave We gave him two plus hours in your debut Justin. I think you killed it and uh, it was fun fun diving in here on the on the outfielders Again, let us know some of those things in the comments that we were telling you about sell us on Pollock if you want Let us know if you like these uh, kind of positional breakdowns Maybe we'll do it for some other positions. I just, I just thought outfielders uh, such an interesting position. Uh, it's always As an industry, I think it's always regarded as deep and I, I don't think that's always the case I, I think it's It seems so obvious that you'd have to be like, no, you have to consider that we need five-plus per team that just because there's so many stars there, it's not always deep. In fact, I think it's rarely deep, to be honest. I think this year is no different. You really start getting into question marks right when you get around – 2025 you know all all, all those guys from the rest of the way have at least one glaring question mark so that's not the mark of a deep position as far as i'm concerned but it's an intriguing one and it's always an intriguing one because that's where a lot of the breakouts happen so i thought deep diving it would be a a fun thing to do and uh i'm really excited about having you as a co-host man you killed it
1: yeah thanks i'm glad to uh be a part of this this is a a really surreal uh experience for me you know those who don't know much about me I actually got my start because I was a huge fan of yours and Jason. Like, and like you two were like, like kind of the people I looked up into the industry or my first guests over at Friends of Fantasy Benefits on the podcast over there. Um, so for me to actually like be sitting in the chair next to you, uh, metaphorically speaking, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and getting to actually like you know uh, be a co-host and be you know somewhat of your equal is uh, a pretty surreal experience for me, and I appreciate the opportunity.
0: No, nah, man, we're happy to have you. It's been amazing to watch your ascent. Uh, you're killing it, and you're only going to to go further and probably soon take my job. So I should probably try to cut you down a little bit before I, before I find myself on the outside looking in here. But uh, no, joking aside, man, it's awesome. And now go produce this right now. All right. <laughs> All right, Justin. I'll talk to you later, man.